All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. What up, y'all? It's Laia, and this week's QLS Classic continues from last week. Yeah, Roots Picnic, live in New York. This aired October 26th. Imagine it, Team Supreme holed up in a hotel across the street from the venue while everybody's performing. They're running across the street to talk to us, even Questlove. So make sure you pay attention to hear where he pops in. Featured in this episode, appearances from the Jungle Brothers, Emily Wells, Yuna, uh, Daniel Bambada Marley, Freeway, and Easy Mo Breezy from Grits and Biscuits. Enjoy, y'all. What's up, y'all? Welcome to a uh, very special edition of Questlove Supreme once again. Uh, this is a road trip. Well, not exactly a road trip. We're kind of um, up the block from Bryant Park in New York City. Um, I'll say that 20 years ago when the Roots were first formed, uh, we made and cut our teeth on the festival circuit. And festivals are like now a thing in America, but back in the early 90s, uh, it was like really unheard of to have different genres together under one roof, like doing a festival. We always said that we had enough pool and, uh, of course, enough finances. We were going to bring a festival to whatever city that we chose to do. And, of course, uh, I guess most of you guys are familiar with the Roots Picnic. Um, that's our Philadelphia homegrown festival event. So this year, we decided to take the Roots Picnic to Bryant Park in New York City and entertained over 20,000 people for two days. Um, so many acts played the picnic. Uh, David Byrne, the Wu-Tang Clan, D'Angelo, John Mayer, uh, even Alicia Keys, Dave Chappelle, Common, of course the Roots performed as well. Uh, we even had Nile Rodgers and Sheik. That's, that's a lot of lineup. Anyway, we recorded these special episodes of Questlove Supreme live during the Roots picnic. Uh, I was running around quite a bit too. Uh, I popped up in the show occasionally when I had a minute, but I was basically rehearsing. But don't worry, uh, the Team Supreme held it down and they really did an amazing job running the show in my absence. Uh, that's right, we got Fonte, Boss Bill's still there, Unpaid Bill's there, Sugar Steve is there, Lai is there, and a whole cast of others. 
And during this episode, you will hear some great interviews with the Jungle Brothers, Unit, Daniel Marley, Freeway, the team behind Grits and Biscuits Party, and Emily Wells. And I really hope you enjoy the show. This is part two of the Roots Picnic New York edition of Questlove Supreme. One, two, one, two, y'all. This is Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. It's Fonte Fontigolo, uh holding it down for the boss man and our cult leader, Questlove, who is <laughs> busy <laughs> working today. We're broadcasting live from Roots Picnic. In New York. In New York. New York City. The city and the state. We got, uh, <laughs> we got lovely Laia. Nice. Unpaid Bill Sherman. Shit. My man, Sugar Steve. My man Scott Yayo, <laughs> Boss Bill, hey, you know what I'm saying? On? We all in here. Uh, we having a good time. Man, I cannot say enough how much the brothers that we are honored to have in this building today, how mm-hmm. much of an influence that they played on my life, on my musical career. Um, just, um, God, man, I don't know where to start. Um, Straight Out the Jungle, the album. Uh Man, mess my head up. Done by the forces of nature, mess my head up even more. Uh, Jesus Christ, man. I, I'ma just let these brothers tell their story. Ladies and gentlemen, one of my biggest musical influences, the forefathers of the native tongue movement, who uh just gave voice to so many of us. I'm talking about Mike G, Sammy B, Baby Bam, ladies and gentlemen, give it up. The Jungle Brothers. Yes. Woo! Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Five thousand Bowman Watts. Sound system, state of the state art. Of the art. Come on, man. <laughs> man, thank you, bro. First off, let me say, okay, me and Mike G, we have been planning to get together for like the past decade. Mike G lives probably like twenty minutes from me. Mm. Uh, he he's uh, we're both North Carolina residents. I'm North Carolina born and raised. He is pretty much uh, I'm an uh, implant now. Yeah, he's a implant now. <laughs> he's been there, and uh, we are part of the growing community of rappers in North Carolina. Wow. I think Special Ed. I think he's still there. I heard. Yeah. Sadat is Sadat X is in. Well, I know at one point he was in Greensboro. I don't know if he's still there. I don't know. I I, I was on his tail somewhere in Raleigh. Oh, okay. Uh, I got a good friend down there. He says, yeah, man, I was just here. You know, his folks live down there. Raleigh got family down there, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Kane, of Kane, course. Yeah, Kane is still in Durham, I believe. Durham or Raleigh, I believe. But, uh, but yeah, me and Mike G have been, yo, man, let's get up. Let's get dinner. Let's do this. And this is the first time I think we've been in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight it goes down. It's funny how that works. It's funny how that works, yeah. I, I see him more on the road than I do actually in the city we live in. But, uh, but nah, brothers, thank y'all so much for being here, man. I cannot thank you enough. Um, I guess let's just start with, well, let's start kind of, let's go, before we go back, let's like start with one of my favorite records from y'all, which is fitting since the founder and our cult leader actually played on it, Brain, uh, Mm. off the Raw Deluxe album. Um, Tell us, tell me about that record. I remember at the time when it came out, it just sounded new. It sounded like it was the Jungle Brothers that I knew and loved, but it just sounded like, man, like this is a reinvention. Like my boys is back. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, talk to us about that record. And two, it came off of the first single, uh, the How You Want It, which was just like some raw, just straight loops. I was like, oh, this shit's fucking dope. But then, <laughs> man, but then y'all came with the brain shit, and I was like, ah, oh, this is like some cool shit. Like wow. So let's talk about that record. Uh, around the time y'all did it, where 
where were y'all at mentally at that stage in your career? Because that was that was after the whole Crazy Wisdom Masters. Yeah, that was situation. after Crazy Wisdom Masters. We had uh, we had got back together with uh, John Baker at G Street, who okay. was uh, real instrumental in our in the first part of our career. Off of straight out the jungle. It's funny how that all came together, but. He was instrumental on the UK side, on the Europe side for Jungle Brothers with Straight Out the Jungle. And uh, we got together for the Raw Deluxe album. And uh, I, I want to say we were almost finished. We were probably 16, some odd songs, but we still needed that that one, you know, really to help, I guess, capture the soul of the mm -hmm. new audience that was out there. And uh, somehow the, the link the link came. and. Uh, Got us all in the studio, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Quest thought they was they started early. Um, by the time we got there, all it was, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and I mean the rest is history. I mean I think, like I said, as soon as we walked in, it was it was that, and then the chorus came on, and then we just all split up, sat in the corner, started writing. That's dope. That's dope, man. Um, to give our, our listeners a little backstory. Um, at this point in their career, well, just and if I misspeak, please correct me. Uh, first album, Straight Out the Jungle, hip hop classic. This was 1987, uh, Warlock Records. 88, yeah. 88, I'm sorry. 88, mm, so good. Warlock Records. I was nine years old. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago. But um, then the, the second album, uh, my girlfriend by the wasn't born yet. That's real. Hey, no. man. Hey, listen, brother. <laughs> the pretty eyes. So, second album, uh, done by the force of nature, 91. Am I? Oh, 89. Is it 80? No, it was 80, 89. 89? Yeah. 90, yeah. I remember I was in it was probably fifth grade, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that record. So, these were like two records that were, um, I mean, really just cemented these brothers as uh, just one of the most kind of forward-thinking, forward-moving uh, groups in hip-hop. Um, after the second album, uh, there was another record called Crazy Was the Masters, which mm -hmm. was a record that was never re officially released. And by all accounts, by all, you know, the legend, everything, the record was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about that a little bit and talk about that record, kind of what happened to it and kind of the aftermath of that. Mm. Well, in the place of that record, the Crazy Wisdom record came. JB's, JB's with, with the remedy. remedy, yeah, that was also on uh, uh, Warner Brothers at the time. And uh, you know, the, the time period was—I I think we were learning. You know, we had just—we came off a of touring done by the forces of nature. I mean, we literally—I mean, from straight out the jungle, we literally went from his graduation to touring Europe wow. and then constantly touring. I mean, we literally didn't take a break for a yeah. very long time, for a really long time. And for guys, you know, we like uh, 17, 18, 19, I mean, it's like, who does that? Who comes out of school, <laughs> get your passport, <laughs> travel the world. Yeah. The Berlin Wall was still up at the time. Wow, wow. We doing That's crazy good. festivals. <laughs> we're, doing crazy, we're, doing, we're doing crazy festivals. I mean, it was nuts. I mean, who does that? I mean, I'm Harlem, Brooklyn, the Bronx. I mean, at that time, the 80s, late 80s, I mean, it was unheard of, you know. By the time we got back to the studio to start that third record, it was like, 
I mean, it was it was vomit. It was like, yo, look what we brought home. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got we got to build with the likes of Bill Laswell, Bootsy, Mudbone, George. I mean, it was just so much. We had so much that I mean, it was hard to in, interpret. You yeah, know, from from the meters too. Yeah, from the meters. David I mean, Burn. all the cats. I mean. I mean, you're an artist. I mean, where your soul comes from, I mean, it's, I, mean I, have to, I have to throw this back on you. When that Little Brother album came out, oh, wow. it's like, it, it was a teary moment. <laughs> it was a teary moment, you know what I'm saying? Because you wouldn't think that that type of soul was in the audience, was in our, you know, amongst our peers like that. Wow. But it's like, we, so when we came back and we... We got to literally rub elbows and tour and do shows with the cats that we were sampling. Wow. That we were sitting up in the sitting up in the Bronx River Center listening to the beach, Jazzy and them going back and forth and we chilling with them yeah. in the tent, drinking beer, Lucy smoking Collins, weed and yeah. all of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nah. then you gonna put us in the studio right after that? Wow. Warner Brothers, they couldn't understand that. And that was for the Crazy Was the Master. Yeah, right. but it wasn't a, it wasn't yeah. originally named the Crazy Was the Master. It was, um, I don't think we even had a name till, yeah. I don't think did we had. Did you lose the originals or something like that? Yeah, you know, it, it, was, all, it was all politics. In yeah. short, wow. in short we, we created a spaceship. We made a spaceship. <laughs> Warner Brothers ain't know how to fly. They was like, nah, hold up. We just need four wheels and a steering wheel. <laughs> That's what they wanted. They wanted four wheels and a steering uh, wheel. They did the okie doke with the mix after we mastered yeah. it. Oh, they found, yeah. you know, they pulled what they felt was, you know, relatable yeah, yeah. to the audience. They put out um, uh, JB's with the remedy. Yeah. And uh, that was the 40 Below Trooper. That was that. 40 uh, Below the, Trooper, the first yeah. That one. Right. Yeah, and I like that record. I mean, it was, it was funny because JB's with the remedy was one of those records that, for me personally, had I not known the backstory, mm-hmm. like, I would have been like, yo, this is dope. Like, I, if, had I. Had I, I remember like reading, I want to say it was in the source or something with you guys where y'all were, you know, telling and talking about the process and how disappointing it was and how the stuff y'all were going through with the label and everything. And I just remember reading, I was like, man, I had no clue if, if you know, it, to me it sounded like a Junk Brothers record, but it was disappointing to hear that it wasn't you guys' vision, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But just for me, I mean, I remember 40 Blow True came out, I, was, I loved that record. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was a, there were... I think Crazy Wisdom Masters, it held, I mean, it, it held the whole story. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it was just ahead of a lot of people's time. They just wasn't ready. Like I said, we built a spaceship, but they wasn't ready. They, wanted they, weren't even, they wouldn't even put out the test for, how do you drive a spaceship? We don't know. <laughs> just keep making cars. You know, gotcha. that's, that's what it was, you know. So, so uh, all right, so we're going to go into that. So coming out of uh, Crazy Wisdom Masters into JB's with the Remedy, uh, this is when you left. JB's Remedy was 93? Was it? Was it? 90, yeah, was it? yeah, it was, uh, it was probably like 94. 93, 94. Uh, coming out of that record, uh, you guys leave Warner Brothers, get with mm-hmm. G Street, and that brings us to the Raw Deluxe album, which brings us to Brain, which mm-hmm. was uh, kind of like a reintroduction to you guys. What Thank year, you. What year is that? That was 1996. Seven. 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 It was 97? Yeah. It was 97. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's twenty. Right. Yeah, that was <laughs> almost twenty years ago. Yeah, because I remember that was like my senior year of high school. I want to say. And y'all about to have y'all thirtieth anniversary? Yeah, next Whoa. year. For I mean, that's like thirty years you guys are coming up on. 
what keeps you going? I mean, 30 is a long fucking time. Oh, man, just, uh, you know... The love for the music. Definitely the love for the music. And the, chemi- and the, ke- and the chemistry. Yeah. The chemistry, too. Yeah, and no question. I think we friends before music. You know, we grew up together, high school, playing in the parks, going to the jams. And I think that really kept us together. Because a lot of groups, money comes in between them and all that kind of stuff. And I think at this point, it really don't even matter. You know, I think that we still friends and that makes a big difference. Yeah. Do you guys feel like y'all were maybe more, like, better equipped to handle it now than you were when you were younger? I think so. Yeah, really? Think so too. Yeah. We came along so early, you know, where it was those pioneer years mm-hmm. where you're just doing something in your circle or in your bedroom and not aware of what's out there. And... We got a chance to go out there mm-hmm. when no one saw us coming, you know, to 52 different countries and see people experience hip hop for the first time and still be 17, 18, 19. So we had like an early jump where, you know, you go from getting a radio in your room with a cassette, plugging turntables into it, making a little <laughs> makeshift studio and just doing it for yourself to actually being broadcasting on the radio on Red Alert show, a mix show that still was underground, Mm -hmm. to people taping you as far as Japan. And then you arrive there and they know who you are. But we still felt like we just stepped out of our bedrooms. Yeah, when you talk about like the bedrooms, you know, the Straight Out the Jungle, that was one of the albums that uh, me and Amir talked about as being in like, and we mean this like in the best way. Technically, it's like one of the worst <laughs> mixed albums, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. what makes it. Well, there's dope. a story behind that. Like okay. straight out yeah, the jungle, yeah, yeah, I used down. to. I, first of all, that whole album was made off turntables. Wow. So that's man. not. There's no SB12s. There's no Lindrums. Wow. There's no MPC heads. There's no. Laptop, of course, that was just straight off the turntables. And so it's just straight, raw particularly straight out the jungle. I would come home from school. I, those two records were f- from my dad's record collection. Okay, and I would back. I only had one copy of each record, okay. so the Bill Withers break, and I would play that on one turntable, hit pause, and the Mandrills on the other, and I only had eight bars. Wow. And I love the way those two went together. I would just play it over and over and over and over. Mm. Not even get a chance to write to it yet. And I just held that in my head until we finally got into a studio situation. Because we were in a couple of studio situations where the producers were throwing the drum machine beats at us and we was like, nah, that's not really the sound we want. But but a lot of hip hop records back then was drum machine heavy. And then we got into the studio where there was turntables. And I took that same technique of straight out the, uh, the break beat and then the groove, but now we have a tape machine. So on track one, you play those eight bars, punch in on track two, play those eight bars of Bill Withers drums, and you keep doing that till you got five minutes. And I'm geeking off of that, because I was like, okay, now I got a track machine. <laughs> 
instead of a cassette, right. you know, or even just doing it by hand. And then on track three and four, you throwing down the mandrills for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of that stuff was just made on the fly, you know? And that was the process of the whole album. Like, Behind the Bush, you know, we had a same, the same process. I saw Sammy standing there with the record we used for the melody, which was a, a remake of Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. And... Um, it was on 45, and we had to tape it to, you know, a vinyl, and right. then blend that over the beat for five minutes, you know, and then go in the booth. And then Mike and I would be in the, uh, another example, Jim Browski. That's what it Sammy is. Sammy B would, was in the control room with the two turntables. <laughs> Mike and I was in the booth with our rhymes already rehearsed, and he had his mic, I had my mic. Sometimes we had one mic we shared together, was I'm going to do you and like you that? Because that sounds like, y'all, yeah, I'm yeah. going to do it. Whoa, but, whoa, but you got to understand that Jim Browski, that was all three of us, the way we do it on stage. Mm -hmm. We did that in the studio, like a band. Like, we, there's no, you know, sampling or putting it on tape first. Yeah, and over, there's no overdubs. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's no overdubs. <laughs> Man. It's like, okay, we're going to press record, <laughs> take one. <laughs> the old-fashioned way. But in the hip hop context, gotcha. of like we're gonna MC while he's DJing, you know what I mean? And then it's like, yeah, let's listen down, take two, you know, and we do uh, take and two, do and then like that's it. So just to give the listeners some understanding of just this <laughs> process, uh, when they say no overdubs, generally when you go into the studio, everything is kind of pre-done. So if you're recording over a beat, the beat is already done and it is recorded and laid down. And then the singers or rappers come in on another track and they do, you know, they do whatever they do to that pre-recorded beat and so forth and so right. on. Uh, what these guys were doing was just everything was live, live. in one take. So Yeah, what you see a band going, doing on stage, they were doing put that, that in the studio, we were doing that. So at the end of that, um, Andre DeBorg, the engineer for Salt and Pepper's records, <laughs> and you know the quality of those records, yeah. He pulls up, and I remember this, in a in an army truck <laughs> with all his outboard gear. Yes, yeah, right. Wow. Total like gearhead. He pulls up, he comes downstairs in the basement, totally. and he looks at the board and he goes, You made a record like this? There's wires everywhere. And he's like, He said, before I even mix this record and master it, I have to take apart the whole studio and put it back together again. Wow. <laughs> Look at her face like, what? <laughs> what? So, what? <laughs> yeah, no, it's typical yeah, engineer I mean, trying to make some extra money. That's what it, I wasn't going to say, nothing, Steve. But basically, but, but basically um, it was about, it's about a vibe. Going back to what you, you and Questlove yeah, were saying, yeah. like, like technically this sounds wrong, but the vibe was captured. And that yeah. was the most important thing. Exactly. On Girl, I House You, on Straight Out the Jungle, mm -hmm. on Jimbrowski, all the background vocals, the woo, wah, wah, baby. And even bells ringing that went on my bracelet or tapping on the window. Yeah. Or you hit the mic by accident in, in the echoes, you know. All that stuff was captured live, and that was the vibe. And then the engineer just had to work with it and make it sound like something. Yeah, one of the, uh, one of the lines I want to make uh, the listeners aware of that is probably... Um, definitely kind of cemented you guys in history. Uh, Q-Tip from Award Tour heard me in the 80s. JV's on the promo. Yeah. Um, for those who do not who don't know, uh, Q-Tip from a tribe called Quest 
I was on Straight Out the Jungle on a record that was called The Promo. Right. Um, the Promo was essentially uh, back in the day, like uh, MCs would do promos for DJs. And right. so it was essentially just like, uh, it could be like a little, you know, it could be a minute, minute and a half thing of just you rhyming, shouting out the, the DJ. DJ. So yeah, in that case, it was for Red Alert. Right. Uh, but you know, all DJs were doing, no Chuck Chill Out had them, you know, every, all the DJs at that time. And uh, Q-Tip was actually, you guys actually gave Q-Tip his start. Right. Um, how did all you, you guys link up and what was it that y'all heard in him to make you say, you know what, we'll let, we'll let you get on this? Well, we went to school together. Yeah. Yeah, we were classmates. Yeah, we were in the same homeroom together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, where you meet and then you go out to your classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't have all the same classes, but we were in the same homeroom together. So in what year was this? This was uh, from '84 to '88. He would come with, uh, come to school with rhymes, and you know we all had our book of rhymes, and he'd come to school with rhymes, and we just kind of formed like a relationship through that. Gotcha. Actually, what actually happened is Mike was that's my dude, that's my jungle brother, but he was a grade ahead of me. Ah. Uh. And like what I liked, what I loved about him is like he was well known in school, but he still was to himself, stuck with himself, you know, by himself. And I was the same. I was well known in school in my grade, but I wasn't in any circles. And we met because Brother Jay from X Clan, oh man, linked us up for uh, a talent show. So, long story short, he graduated before me, and then I had one more year left. So, Q-Tip would be around me, and there was like, I don't know, space yeah. for, 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 for him, you know what I mean? Because I wasn't around Mike as much and in school, so he would be around me, and he, you know, I, he, on the weekends I'm going to the studio, and then he'd hear the records on the radio, the promos we were doing, he'd hear on the radio and stuff like that. So then he'd come around and, you know, rap to me and stuff, do lyrics and he'd, you know, like complain that people was comparing him to LL Cool J and he was Jay Nice at the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was cute. That was Four just my name. Q-Tip was compared to LL Cool J back then? Yeah, he was Jay oh, Nice. Yeah. And he was rapping like LL Cool J. You know, the I Need a Beat. Not now, though. Not the I Need Love back then, LL Cool J. Yeah, no, not the I Need. No, 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 no. The I need a beat, L L Cool J. Okay. okay. Yeah. You know, all the big words from the right. dictionary. <laughs> into a form of a battle rap. Right, right. Where, yeah. you know, you're outwitting the person you're battling. So so I was just like, well, that is the thing right now. It's all good. Like, if you're on that level, then that's cool. Yeah, but slowly it. but surely, he was, like, embracing what was becoming Jungle Brothers. Gotcha. Slow down a little bit, and slow it down a little bit, and that, and that that was the that that was the era of the boogie down productions, where he was slowing it down, and mm -hmm. also Rakim where he was toning the voice down, yeah, and yeah, it wasn't yeah. all the yelling. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mike and I, mm -hmm. that's how we rapped as well. We we was on some smooth. MC shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it was about. You know, it was Mike, like, Mike. We wasn't really battling. We was wasn't battling. It was MCs, smooth. 
We held our Spoonie own and we was trying to get stuff. girls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was the smooth Spoonie G type rap. Yeah. Me and Mike loved Spoonie G. Oh, man. And one of his first rhymes was like that, you know? Yeah. So slowly but surely, Jay Nice was coming into his own, not into his own, but coming into the Jungle Brother vibe and then going away with that and developing into something that couldn't be compared to LL Cool J. That's, and that's, that's when I said, look, whoa. come down to the studio and um, let's do this promo joint. Wow. Q now, to know that Q-Tip was compared to LL, like, <laughs> that's, that's just fucking amazing. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Ladies and gentlemen, 
The cult our, leader. Our cult leader's our cult back. Leader. Questlove. <laughs> he just walked in. No, I've been here the whole time. I'm no, just taking a nap. Quit lying. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Does that mean when I hear this episode, y'all talking smack behind me as I go? Yeah. No. Why okay. the no, fuck you no, lying? But Margaret was right. <laughs> Margaret always talking smack. Oh, my smack. God. <laughs> Don't blame me. He lied. Questlove is back, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so, girl, I house you. Um, What made y'all go? Because that was, I mean, like Amir said, that was a very bold direction, and it was something that, uh, at that time, I didn't know of any other hip hop artists that were that were doing it. It kind of kicked off the hip house movement, which dog. That was the first house song I ever heard. I didn't know about to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same wow. here. Yeah. Same here. That's big. Um, and that really just kind of you know there there are a lot of imitators that came in in your wake, and um, but that was still the one that was like. I think Latifah got it right with coming to my house. That shit was dope. Mm-hmm. But I think was it was it Todd no Todd no not oh Todd Todd Terry, uh, Todd Terry or Todd Terry yeah. yeah yeah and he did uh, the our house he did our house he did our house yeah, yeah. Um, what made you guys do that like what was that session like. Well, for, Yo, for, obviously, did some hours at the uh, at Larry Levan's uh, Paradise Garage. <laughs> yes, obviously. Oh yeah, I mean well, that was. I, I did. I, I think I, my mother was driving cabs when the Paradise Garage was happening, and she took me there when I was twelve years old. She took me there when I was twelve years old, and I got a little taste of that crowd that early. The whole twelve years old. Like, you know, you know the common denominator is with all the guests on the show. <laughs> they they their parents are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom to your parents. My mom was driving cabs like late that night, and she was like, "You're gonna come with me. I want to show you this place where I get all my rides." And it was it was the Paradise Garage. Wow, Paradise She's Garage. Like, people, uh, for the listeners, this was uh, Larry Levine, who was a incredible uh, legend, DJ, legendary DJ, pioneer house. Um, disco, all music. Format. He yeah. played everything. Open format. Before there was his best Afro beat. His best DJ gig was not playing records. He played the Wizard of Oz movie once, mm-hmm. and they said it was the most legendary night. <laughs> I mean, he he's had legendary DJ stories, but him playing Jackson Five's ABC, his very last gig at the uh, uh, Studio Fifty Four okay. was defiantly playing ABC. Mm. For three hours in a row, oh. in defiance. Wow! Wow! Tanya Garter's heartbeat. Yeah, he forced them. That like they they opposed to it. It was like too slow for them. They mm-hmm. hated it, and he forced them. He says, "I will can I will play this until y'all give me the respect I deserve." And mm-hmm. he single handedly like said, "You're going to dance to some down tempo, mm-hmm. ninety wow. BPM shit." So that's dope. Yeah, he's wow. he's a monster. So, I'm sorry that's, for that's, jacking that story. That's, sorry, that's, that's a good backstory for, for our house because you said it was a bold move, but we didn't see it that way nah. because of the environment here in New York City, the birthplace of hip hop. You still had a strong dance house scene, scene right? mm-hmm. you know, disco house, exactly. you know, and downtown punk rock scene. So a lot and a lot of things were crossing together and exactly. jumping together. Those scenes were linked together. You know, mm-hmm. hip hop was still young, so it didn't have what it has now, like its own clique. Boundaries. You know, and, <laughs> and with boundaries and yeah. rigid formulaic structures. It was a jam. Everything was a jam. It was just yeah. beats so from everywhere. could get away with playing The Wizard of Oz and Grandmaster Flash could <clears> get away with playing The Clash. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so. But even when it more, got to our house, yeah, it was nothing. It was 
It was that's what we were supposed to do. I mean, I was going to clubs. I was going to clubs, carrying records for Red Alert. We all he was, was playing ridiculous. <laughs> we all had a crate. <laughs> but then I would leave that club and go to a house club, like the World or some club with no name, hole in the wall, and be in there till three, four in the morning with just house heads. And at least four of the records they were playing was Todd Terry's records. Wow. And I could hear Todd Terry was a is a is a producer from Brooklyn who was making hip hop and really wasn't getting that love mm-hmm. and went into making house records and got a lot of love. And so I was hearing the hip hop samples in the house records he was making. I was like, he's the only guy doing this. You know, uh, like okay. other house records yeah. were looping disco right. or having somebody preach over the record or mixing <laughs> Martin Luther King or Malcolm X right. over yeah, the yeah, record. Yeah. <laughs> but Todd Terry was actually sampling break beats sampling. from hip hop crates and putting it into house music. So from Chicago, like, from the Chicago breaks. Yeah. The Chicago and, scene, and they was really. They they on the, the Chicago scene, Fast Freddie, Tyree Cooper, these were the guys that Doug were Lazy, all really cats, they yeah. were setting it off because they were tired of doing house music, so they started rapping over it. But we didn't know about them. Uh, you see what I'm saying? So one day we come in the studio at the end of Straight Out the Jungle. We, we get out of school, we go to the studio, and the studio that Todd Terry worked in, we worked in, and the engineer Tony D said, "Do you guys want to make a house record?" He was like. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Didn't even think of it as a separate genre from hip hop. Yeah. Right. He put the record on, and it was Royal House Party People. Yeah. Now we used to see Royal House at the house go out and do shows. Four people who were just dancers who worked on Wall Street, and we was like, "Y'all don't rap, and you go out and do shows, and you get five grand." <laughs> so he put the record on, and I was like, "Yo, I did. I sweat to that record." Party People by Royal House. So I said, yeah, let's do it. So we took the, re- took the record, put it on the turntable. He said, I don't have instrumental. Y'all ghost-faced it. Put it on the turntable, press record on the eight-track machine, recorded the whole record to the eight-track machine, and then I, in 20 minutes, I sang the hook, Girl, I'll house you. Girl, I'll house you. You in my hut now. Because at the time, we were saying, in hip hop, we would say, we're gonna house, house you. House you, like I'll, I'll take you, I'll take you <laughs> out. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so immediately I caught the, the double meaning of right. I'll house you and house music. And so I was like buzzing off of that because I was like, one side is gonna hear it and go, that's legit. You know, mm-hmm. hip hop's gonna hear it and say, that's legit. And the other side, the dance people's gonna hear it and go, yeah, house music all night long, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so that set the hook off, and then I just kind of freestyled it in the booth, overdubbed the vocals, mm-hmm. then Mike went in, and you know I guess two hours later the record was done, and then we did some cuts on it, yeah, and we felt like we broke it down to a hip hop level, so we, and then I remember calling Ali Shaheen, and I was like, yo, I put the phone at the speaker, and I was like, <laughs> I was proud, I was like, yo, look at listen to what we just did. And, and Tip was on the phone and you was listening down. And then I took the phone back when the record was over and I said, you heard that? <laughs> that is the jam. And Ali was like, 
whoa, wow. He was like, yo, that sounds like a real house record, too. <laughs> it was crazy. I repeat, that sounds like a real, real house, house record, record, too. You know, like authentic, right, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, but you can hear the hip hop in it, too. You know, Sammy doing the cut, dun, 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 Star Wars breakbeat. So it was just like an exciting time. Now, that record was given to the record company. They laughed at it. They said, we're not putting it on the vinyl. What? But we'll put it on the cassette. Wow. And what did the DJs do? From Limelight to Studio 54 to Roseland to the Palladium to Milky Way to Payday to Latin Corp. What did all the DJs do? They took the cassette. And at the end of the night, that was the last record they played. And they said, Red. We need this record on vinyl. vinyl. We playing it on cassette. Wow. So they had to go back and remaster the album. And repress it. Wow. To put our house you on. Which goes back to G Street, because they was the first ones to actually take the song and press it on the album original. Yeah. Okay. And when they, when they heard the song, they was like, what? Yeah. This is not on the album? It's like, yo, we won't do the deal if that record's not on the album. Yeah. So did at, what was the reception like at the Latin Quarter when they heard like were they open to it like could they play that at the Latin Quarter? Yo, at, no, I think well, at that time though, at Latin Quarter it was, it was kind of past. That was past. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Latin Quarter. I sorry, sorry, I mentioned Latin Quarter, but that record wasn't recorded yet okay. during the Latin Quarter years. Pardon me on that. Yeah. But that audience was still in those other clubs, especially yeah. Roseland. And what was the club that closed down? Was it closed down oh, a couple wow. times that we did the final party for? And they had a freestyle night. Mm-hmm. You think about that one while I keep talking. No, but listen to your question, though. To answer your question, though, I want. I just want to give him a quick Street on the West Side. Roxy's. It wasn't the Roxy's. It was a Tramps. No, no, it was. Um, it was the Roxy. What was the next to Roxy? Roxy. Eighteen. Ten eighteen. Ten eighteen. Ten eighteen. Teamwork make the dream work. Teamwork yeah. anyway, make the dream work. That's anyway, right. that record went down well with hip hop and the dance audience. Mm-hmm. So much so that you had dudes that was like, "Yo, I hated house music until I heard that record." Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't, yeah, no right? doubt. No doubt. I didn't no like question. house music until I heard that record. Yeah. But yo, y'all got one, and then you start seeing those dudes. At those clubs, mm-hmm. you know, the hardcore dudes that would be listening to MWA be like, "Yo, Jungle Brothers is playing here tonight, ten eighteen. We up in here, five thousand packed, dudes in their fur coats with their bottle of Moet. It's like, yo, as yeah, soon as crazy. they go, soon as that record come on." We going straight. Yeah, to that's the front that's of the that stage. was the one for all the girls. Yeah, <laughs> they got all the girls, the girls, the girls, the girls out. They caught on. They, they housed them, on. no they doubt, without them. question. It was, it was an anom- <laughs> it was an anomaly, and you could see it. You could see that people it broke through the whole genre boundary thing because it and it became just music. People just danced to it and jammed to it. Whether they was like I'm in the hip hop or I'm in the house, they was everybody was together. Even the universal battle song too, like dance battle song too. I always remember seeing people in the club, and that must be crazy to see people dance battling to your song, like yeah. stopping what they doing yeah, yeah, and like yeah. I house you. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah no doubt. Like, exactly, it worked on especially a lot of levels. In, like Baltimore and places that are. There you go. Music. There you go. Exactly. Oh man. And then we go overseas, and we think we're gonna be doing like a hip hop tour, which we did hip hop dates, but then we'd be in like. 
Raves. Raves. Oh, that's nice. Acid they clubs. Them, they didn't even call them raves. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Free parties. Cool. And sometimes they just be like, guys, here's $8,000. Just do this. Just song. do the one song? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think. Yo, literally. They, they wouldn't want it because that's I got it. it like that. Nah. <laughs> nah. We was, if we did our whole show of Straight Out the Jungle, people, people would be just waiting for our house. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Wow. No so at the same time we have that, that we now. <laughs> at the same time we was breaking straight out the jungle and that new vibe of hip hop, the whole rock esque EPMD esque vibe of hip hop mm-hmm. to a new audience in Berlin with the walls still mm-hmm. up. With Mike the walls still up, yeah. We were also breaking into the acid house and we were breaking grounds with um all, all the rave heads that the are doing music. the big festivals. Right. Yo, not for nothing. You mentioned the wall coming down. I just want to say, y'all did a festival at Wembley for Mandela, like when he first got oh. Yeah. Is yeah, that Yeah, when true? he first released. For his birthday, yeah. yeah. Yep. Us. Birthday? No, when yeah. no, when he released it from prison. Yeah, from prison. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thanks yep. for that, Anwar. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. It was us. That's a Sonic. Nana Cherry. Yeah. yeah. Um, you two. That was probably the biggest that date. Was big, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the oh, biggest yeah. ever. That was a hundred thousand people. Yeah. Wait, was was I late for the recording techniques and that? Yeah, we missed the, so the recording techniques for straight out the jungle. So you guys got all the stories? We got the stories. All right, that's all. We got, I have so many <laughs> stories. <laughs> Tonight of the engineer. No, no, no. I just want to make sure that yeah, you know. Nah, no doubt, no doubt. No doubt. Even some girlfriends. Where are we right now in, the, in, their, in their journey? We are, uh, we talked about uh, Raw Deluxe. We went straight out the jungle. We did talk, we talk about Crazy Wizard Masters? We talked Crazy Wizard Masters. Ah! Okay. We did. But, I mean, but I'm sure you <laughs> have some say, story. That, we didn't talk about how they ended up at the Roots picnic, but you know. Well, because. I said that on stage, actually. But we was here. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we were in Japan. Yeah, Sean. Performing on stage. You already know the story. Yeah. So he can tell you. He's just one person. No, no, everybody else is Okay, we were in Japan performing on stage at a festival. Soul Camp. And um, Sean G, who's tour manager for Jill Scott. Yeah, and, and the Roots manager. And the Roots manager mm-hmm. was in the audience. And then after the show, he told me he was texting. He showed me the show. He, Sean was like, I was watching the show uh, yeah. 12 hours behind, like 4 in the morning. <laughs> <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> That's cr- Technology's crazy. Yeah, I, was like, we got so I went, I went, I went, to, I went into the catering to eat, and Sean was like, yo, I was just texting Questlove and telling him, yo, the show, you guys got to come to the picnic. And I was like, okay, you know, you yeah. blind leap of faith, because it's like, that was just a week ago. Two like, weeks. Two weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, moved we fast, were only man. in Japan we made for it work. two That's shows, that MTV show, and then one other show after that. And then I was still in Japan for two weeks after that. I just flew from Japan to Turkey, to London, to here. Because you don't live in this country. No, I don't live in this country. <laughs> where are you, where you live at so Don't ask me about politics. I won't. I was just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can ask you about the Brexit. I have no clue. <laughs> I can ask you about the Brexit. That's where you. That's, that's where I'm you. At, oh yeah, I'm in Brexit world. <laughs> <laughs> so you live in London now. Yeah, I live in London now, but I've lived in a lot of places, and I just I've recently been in London for a year. I've yeah. lived in, in Panama, Good place in Nicaragua. To live. I saw you like in that. London, I'm moving around. But um, yeah, that's how they, that's how we arrived here. Which thank you, Sean G. Thank yeah. you, Quest no doubt, no doubt. Thank yeah, you for thank you, Jungle Brothers. Thank you, Jungle Brothers. Give it up for the Jungle Brothers. Thank ladies. you, Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta do a longer show. 
All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so we're, we're, we're sitting here right now uh, with really one, one, of my, one, of, one of my favorite people ever. Uh, you are a one human operating, just walking machine of, 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 of talent. I think the first time I saw you in Brooklyn, you were doing uh, Biggie's... Uh, Yes, you you did Biggie's Juicy, and then uh, I I I haven't left your side. We've been Siamese twins ever since. Uh, welcome to Course Love Supreme, ladies and gentlemen, Emily Wells, y'all. Yeah. Woo! It's like the third roots picnic for Emily, right? Like how many roots picnics? This is my second. Okay, mm-hmm. you did Philly. Yes. Philly. Yes. Yeah, she's been in my head. She, like her, 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 and Chill Moody are just like the our 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 go to. Always, you know, I, I don't, get them. You're cool. Well, you know, but you you welcomed me with like your biggest loving arms. Uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, I feel like Barry White now. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Freed. Wait. Wait. Wow. Wait a minute. Hang on. Yes. Now why was, was it so white why, of you? Why, Holy shit. Wait. <laughs> that was the whitest thing you've ever done in the 30 years I've known you. Wow. Wait a minute. I'm insulted because. <laughs> Because when she said it, it filtered to you as a creed song. <laughs> but to me, I was going Barry White with it. You can creed. Yeah, totally. But he, he said just, it. I know. It, hey, man. 
It's, it's, it's real. That's what we, we already know Fonte is, is the is, 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 is the Jedi master. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, uh, you, I well, uh, first of all, how was your set? Uh, Yeah. They always get it in the third or fourth minute. And that's how it was because when I, you know, because it, it takes you, for those that don't know, um, I guess, what, what, is, what is your go to device to, that you do to loop? Uh, okay, yeah. I use an RC50. Um, just kind of a, it's actually, it's now it's kind of old school, but it's just like a. It's that headset. green device on the. It's a red one. It's a red one. I know the green one you're talking about. Yeah. Right. And, um, <coughs> All right. It's, it's rudimentary. So when you do that, is there a click track inside of your ears? No. Do you, because when I watch you do this, you always start off with this kind of long ethereal note, and I'm trying to figure out if you're counting the metronome in your head because you Where's wind up one? you loop everything perfect, but it's just such a, a jello like yeah. moldless form of time, but you always seem to catch it. And, it's It's a good no, life lesson. One. Knowing where your one is. No. Knowing the one. Where the fuck is it? There it is. I, I wish That's someone could teach Every that to morning. certain members of the Roots. Uh, oh, no, he did. That's fired. No, he did. Oh, that's good. No, well, okay, so. But, yeah, I also have an, uh, um, an SPDFX on the stage with me. So oh, I, SPDF, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I think at one point I you were I don't know if you were playing keyboard with your right hand and the 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 SPD drum pad with your left hand mm. and looping and sing you know it's you really have to see it like it's 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 next level uh, performance. How long did it take you to to figure that all out? Oh, well, it it took some time. I mean, it started really simple. I think I think it really started with strings and a loop pedal for me because violin I never knew how to incorporate that into a set. I'm not going to play like a concerto in a club. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, why not? I will, I'll do it now and again, but that's not going to fly for an, right. an hour. And so, and strings are meant to, you know, rub next to each other. So I wanted that. So it kind of started with that. And then, oh, can I just add a little something? Can I add a little something else? I was, you know, my first shows, I'm like unplugging stuff on stage. Like, really stupid. I was about to say, you're your own uh, tech as well. Like, what if, it, what if the equipment breaks down? Then what? You just... Go a cappella. Well, I mean, dude, it can't. It just can't. <laughs> <laughs> Has it ever broken down? I've had a few. I've had a few moments, but I don't rely, like I said, on any computers because that stuff will break down more than yeah. other hardware any day. It's, really? Yeah, computers. I mean, I was about to say you're 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 one of the 
the sh- should I say the Brooklyn elite that don't usually like when those Brooklyn act Brooklyn-y acts come on our show, I'll see more MacBook Pros on stage and than anything else. But uh, yeah, I was about to say that you're you're old school in your digital embrace. Sure, sure. So kind of like D'Angelo with floppy disks. Oh, so many. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's like you can't even call that analog. It's like what what what, what did you call that? Well, it's yeah, it's, I don't know. Electronic. electronic. It's electronic. <laughs> it's not analog. So, so how do you apply this? I always wanted to know when when you're recording uh your music mm-hmm. in the studio, how do you apply what you do live on stage to your cuz you, your music is more fleshed out? In the studio than it is uh, on stage. It's such a trick to try to bring that feeling of the live thing as it is for anyone into a into a recording studio. I mean, I try to make it a mixture of close samples, and some things are just created in the moment. And I want to take the moment I was writing that song into the record and and let it be forever. Some things I want to reperform over and over again. Um, lots and lots of layers of strings. I mean, some of my records I'll play. Viola, violin, many, like, you know, 21 layers or what, you know, whatever, and then try to... You can layer that much? Yeah, well, I do it live. I just play it over. I mean, it's like... It's oh, you just... Uh, uh, you know, to sound fuller. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just make it sound really, really big. And, um, yeah, I, but some things are, you know, are sampled right into that little pedal and, and as I'm writing the songs, and, and, I, and I bring those samples in, too. I kind of treat them as though... I kind of treat those samples like I was taking it off the record or something like that. I kind of create the loop that I would make, that I would... So that you would want to take off of... want to take if I was yeah. DJ or Smart. Because when I drum, I do the same thing. I'm like, yeah. make your own break. Mm-hmm. That's yes, dope. exactly. All right. God. So what's your future? So you just uh, released your record, uh, what, three months ago? Or? Yeah, well, a few months ago. Yeah, it's called Promise. Yeah. You mean what will life be like after yeah. November of? Uh, <laughs> I've seen the future and boy, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, how do you make those things personal? How do you make? Uh, that's the question with a lot of artists today. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stare that in the face right now. You know, that. it's going to be great. Yeah. You know what he's going to do if he gets it. He's not going to get it though. Yeah. 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 Well, Ems, uh, one, you know, once again, I thank you for uh, doing the Roots picnic and. Um, Anytime you you uh, do anything with us, collaborating, whatever, you know, it's a treat. Um, we're probably going to work on this next Roots album together because we've been yeah, we we we've been threatening to do this for for three albums now, so we're going to make it happen. Um, Emily Wells, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to go to. Can we play? Oh, we can. No, Who's Emily Wells. Wait, y'all should have seen it. The entire room, like, st- wait, mm. wait, oh, we can clap now. Okay. Shout okay. out to Emily and her blast. Yeah. Thank you. Man. Yeah. And shout out for her being a trooper. She was yes. uh, on the couch. Oh, thank you. And yeah. bringing your blanket. She was so happy on the couch. Are you kidding? I got to hear the history of the way the Jungle Brothers made that record. Yeah. yeah. That was so fascinating. <laughs> 
this idea in my head, I will make it happen, even if I have to hold a microphone up. That's what's up. That's good. Well, we're going to go to Passenger by Emily Wells uh, on Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. We will be right back. We are live from the Roots Picnic, NYC. Love Supreme on Pandora is provided by Boost Mobile. Boost Mobile, where you at? This is Quest Love Supreme, only on Pandora. Fonte, Fontigolo, Sugar Steve, Lovely Laia, Boss Bill, Scott motherfucking Yayo. Yeah. That was Passenger. And lactating unpaid bills. <laughs> <laughs> unpaid bills. Correction. Sherman, we forgot it. Unpaid bills paid now, but we can still call him unpaid bills. He's still got to be unpaid bills. Yeah, yeah, I know what they're doing around here. It's, it's, called, it's called continuity. So we we got to get Exactly. I, I we we, we too far in the story to change yeah. it. How about underpaid bills? Under, okay. I've had some shitty nicknames. So I, my my Rudolph is still talking about the, the 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 radio show, and she still calls you Black Bill and White Bill. <laughs> She's like, wait, wait, who's L- unpaid? Bill? Like I said, I've had shittier nicknames. I'm good to go. She's like the only one that can do that because she rep both sides. But wait, so boss, you about- <laughs> she was the first guest on our show. Yes. She still knows that too. Them. But she, can she was still the do first that, lady of. Um, she was the first lady question. She was the first That's the day we ate chicken and fell asleep for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I get it. She still, you know, she could play both. That's and good. No hateration. No I love Maya Rudolph. Right. I was about to give you some love, boss, because you've been busy the last few days. Hold up. Can I tell them the busy. name of the jam, though? Before we yeah. Did it? We didn't oh, I thought you did. Uh, did. We did? I don't think we did. Well, that was Passenger by Five minutes after the fact. Okay, so Laia, you were saying. No, I'm just saying that I wanted the boss is about to leave us because he got to go on stage to do, do the main job. show, which is tonight uh, mm-hmm. D'Angelo, John Mayer. John Mayer. John Mayer. And uh, a friend of mine from Chicago is going to come by as well. By the time everybody hears this, you know, it'll, the show will be in the past. So you can go ahead and tell us. <laughs> now, let's keep it a mystery. Uh, so I'll play. Al Capone. <laughs> Al Capone. <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> No, I was going. I, I wish it was George Kirby. Is not from Chicago. I'll, Shut up, asshole. <laughs> okay, so I just, I just wanted to say Kirby Puckett just for Kirby Puckett. <laughs> He's from Minneapolis, though, isn't he? 
He is Minneapolis. Well, Steve wound well, up Steve, doing what he missed the irony of me saying. Did you forget your bucket. joke from your joke? Yes. Yes. Okay. This is Questlove Supreme. Kirby's dead. Um yeah, so tonight is uh the roots and uh we got common, we got uh, uh, uh John Mayer. John Mayer and we got D'Angelo. The reason why I'm like struggling to remember things is because, I mean, the, the way that I do business is, I kind of I, I tend to agree to things, 14 months ahead of time. Like right now, we are planning, the Philly Roots picnic, mm-hmm. right now for 28, and with a very monumental record that came out as of this taping. We're now talking to that particular young lady about. Headlining, um, yeah, you, you just tend to plan things way ahead of time, and so at at I don't know for me, w- once once it was proposed to me that we should do a roots picnic on steroids, and instead of the roots backing up one act, why don't we back like everybody, six of them? And I was like, yeah, 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 of course I'll do that. And then once crunch time comes, yo man, I just the daggers and the stares of all the roots family members. <laughs> Looking at me, I I feel horrible. Like all of them are Libras, or I guess they're still Libras, even with the addition of that, yeah, that unspoken weird shit they did, yeah. Uh, astrological sign. Um, yeah, but all of them, all their birthdays are this week, so oh, yeah. most of them have had to uh, not hang with their families and and rehearse and wait and rehearse and wait. Well, and see, wait. Bill went Sorry, to a Scott. rehearsal and he said they looked like zombies. He said you're working them like they were kung fu zombies. Wu Tang. It just Kung Fu it just seemed it just seemed like I was in mode, but you know I I had a few triple espressos, so I was up like normal while everyone else was like. That's what you do, yeah. But no, I don't slave drive. It's like no, you don't sleep. I no, I do sleep. Okay. But I'm just saying that this the show is packed with a lot of cues and a lot of. Uh, modulations and tricks and 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 you know i'm hoping that i remember everything it's going to be a monster show but i just hope that i remember everything i think even if you don't remember everything we'll be none the wiser i think the mm-hmm. crowd will just be happy mm-hmm. i know to you you'll be like fuck i missed that whatever but i'm i'm, I think I'm willing to let the small stuff slide but just the kind of neurotic nature of the guests that we have, uh, like th- that are mm-hmm. on the show, mm-hmm. you know, they're gonna want it like perfect note for note for note. Yeah, but, but they hopefully they'll like, just miss it. Yeah, yeah, they'll miss it. Yeah, and like get over yourself, dude. Like I'm paying, for, I'm playing for eighteen other motherfuckers. Right. You know what I mean? But like, they never understand. They that. never understand that. They never understand that. Steve's witness to the stuff. How are rehearsals in your opinion? The, the first night of rehearsals with D'Angelo was probably that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because like. Common also happened to be rehearsing next door. I saw you post that on Instagram. I saw that. And yeah. he had, like, he, his room was the epicenter collective of all, like, neo, neo blackatism. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we recorded new terms here at Questlove Supreme. Yeah, every goddamn day. It was neo blackatism. Like, it was, it. like, you know, Jamila Lemieux and, and, and Ava and, like, all the. Glasper. Yeah, Robert Glasper. Like, just yeah. all the. Incense wine and candles set of of 2015-16. And it was like we were the Pied Pipers. We we were going over the route from Voodoo 
and just one by one, like it was like all the children of voodoo, voodoo just came. Like we looked up, and then there was like at least like twenty of them. Like it was a closed yeah rehearsal, but Anthony they, Hamilton popped up. They all just came in, you know. And family reunion. It, it, well, yeah, it was, that was it was less a family reunion and more like and D'Angelo has never seen that. Like it's really hard for him to even imagine the voodoo effect because he's so isolated from the world. Mm. So he doesn't get like he doesn't know what it, the dirty projectors are and how like their whole harmony game is based on, based on you know, him. like Dave's whole steez is like, yo, voodoo is how I stack my harmonies and all this stuff and like all these references that even I missed. So just to see, I mean, the the, the, the collective story is always like, yeah, when I was eight, my older sister got that record and I grew up on that record. So just to watch them as full grown adults, watching D'Angelo do that shit, mm-hmm. like it was, it was, it was some beautiful. Well, boss, speaking of D'Angelo, I just got the call from the officials at Bryant Park. You got to go. Yeah, I, I, I gotta go. I'm sorry. Am Don't I be sorry. Gum? You ain't sorry. Well, Come I'm a guest on the show. No. This is not the Quest Love Supreme show. We're uh, so completely happy and honored today to be joined by a young lady that I am a fan of. I'm, you know, looking at the photo right now. And uh, she first captured my heart uh, when she put out a record. God, I want to say, was it 2012? Was it was that when Live Your yeah. Life came out? Yeah. Jesus Christ, that was like four 20, years ago. End of 2011. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It was that long. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Time keep on slipping, slipping, slipping. Mm. Into the future. Um, nah, man. Um, Live Your Life, it was a record she put out, uh, produced by Pharrell. And uh, it was just something that was just, I was amazed just by the simplicity of it. It was uh, something that drove, it was it had a you know, very driving beat, very mellow, uh, you know, keyboard, you know, arrangement. And um, her voice, the thing I liked about it was that it just sounded really pure. It was just not a lot of vocal tricks, not a whole lot of um, just... Not a whole lot of adornment. It was just really simple, and it cut through, and she just sang the song, and the lyric that really spoke to me was, uh, you know, live if you really want to. Uh, Thank you. You know, and says that's something that, you know, living is it's a choice, you know, and, and that really spoke to me. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, give a big Questlove Supreme, Team Supreme round of applause for the incredibly talented Yuna, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Bang, 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 bang. Thank you. Bang, bang. <laughs> we in this joint. Fresh off stage. Fresh off stage. How was your performance? Yeah. How did it go? All right, it went really, really well. Like, um, you know, the crowd was amazing. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of like we we drove from, where were we yesterday? Oh, my God. We were from Rhode Island yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> Providence, Rhode Island. So I, I'm on tour right now, not, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah, we've been on the road. So, you know, coming out here is like a, it's like a treat. And uh, I've always, like, um, I've been looking forward to perform at the Roots Picnic. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun. That's dope. What? So your show, I was uh, unfortunate, you know, I wasn't able to see your show. Cause I was stuck over here doing this shit. <laughs> our cult leader, Amir Thompson, had us locked up in here like locked, like hostages. hostages. No food, no food. Yeah. Just, we just got water. we had that. We had, and we had to ask for the water. We had to, we had to ask for that. There's a cushy gig. You know what I'm saying? But um, but not so. I, I wasn't able to see your show, unfortunately. Uh, okay. What does your show for people that you know 
haven't had the the fortune of seeing it. What is your show like? Do you, of course, you sing? Do you play any instruments? Like, what is your what's your stage show? Oh uh, well, I sing uh, mostly. You know, I used to do a lot of acoustic um, performances, so I used to play a lot of um, the acoustic guitar, and then you know, like I couldn't hire a guitar player, so I would play the electric <laughs> guitar on my set. But now that I can finally do that, you know, like um, I would love to play the guitar at my shows is just that i'm i just feel like you know i, I i'm not like exactly like it's a guitar guitar not player there. yeah i'm not there yet so i just focus on just performing and you know like um I'm, i've been touring for four years and it's really just i'm just growing into a, in a real artist now like i never get to do that i never got to do that back home in malaysia where i'm from yeah um so coming out here was just like going on tour and kind of like just slowly learning how to you know give a a really good performance for the fans so yeah tell us so malaysia like what yeah. is what is that like in this this mm-hmm. what's the city what's the music scene yeah, like? what's yeah. The, music? the music scene oh it's like it's a small country but it's constantly growing like we went from like having singers um like just doing ballads and traditional uh malay music like i'm i'm malay so um, the traditional music is more kind of like, you know, like a, a cross between like Indonesian and kind of like Thai. And so that the Southeast Asian sound, you know, and um, but now it's like slowly growing, like um, the hip hop scene started um, like, uh, I think, like 20 years ago or so, you know, so um, it was it's pretty interesting to see, like when I. I kind of like grew up just watching like okay well there's uh, a Malaysian hip hop artist I'm like oh okay there's a Malaysian like um, indie rock artists and um, uh, yeah so I kind of like grew up in that but setting have yeah. any of them crossed over as much as you have I feel like uh, no to America no yeah. to yeah. states no, I think no. you're kind of like the first out the limo like yeah. you're the one yeah. you're the Charlie one. Mac yeah. you're the Charlie Mac yeah you're the one that like <laughs> Thank you. Really, um, yeah. you know, that kind of is, is putting on. Do you feel any, like in hip-hop in, you know, America, there is a big, the big uh, thing of, of putting on, you know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. know, I put on for my city, like, so yeah. wherever I come from, like, I'm going to put on for wherever, you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you feel the need to put on for Malaysia? <laughs> the, the whole country? Like, I'm Yuna and I'm doing it for all, everybody. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I started out, in Malaysia, like um, I was already doing music for three, four years back home before I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, okay. um, when did you When did you come to LA? Uh, about 2011, around wow. around that time. That's awesome. Yeah. The time is short. Yeah. Right? So I started making music like 2007, 2008, pretty much. So it's uh, it's been quite a, an interesting journey <laughs> so you started making music in 2007 yeah that was when you really started so writing yeah writing songs and um just um kind of like producing my own album like i didn't want to sign to any labels back home mm-hmm. i don't know like you know inside like, i felt like inside i was just like um in my heart like okay well i want to be a singer songwriter but i don't want to be signed i don't want to sign with any labels because i know if i do that i'm like kind of like trapped right. in malaysia for a long long time yeah. so i didn't want to do that because i knew like um oh, i want to get out of malaysia i want to come out to the uk or you know the us and um 
really just make music uh, out so here. So how yeah. does a person get, because that's, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. How does a person get from making music, starting off making music in 2007, to working <laughs> with Pharrell Williams, who is one of the I biggest <laughs> producers uh, in a three-year span, I yeah. mean, three, four-year span? How does Is it a how friend of happen? a friend, or like? Kind of, a little bit like that. I, I think I, um, it's a little bit of kind of like um, when you work really hard, and then you... You know, like um, just meeting the right people, and um, I guess it's a mixture of both. Like I got really lucky. You know, like um, I was in Malaysia, just doing my my music thing, and then my management from Los Angeles indie pop, my manager Ben, found me on MySpace Music. Oh like that wow! Was, yeah, that was that MySpace. time. <laughs> Shout so, out to MySpace. Tom, <laughs> where, where is Tom these days? Where, where is Tom? Where's Tom? I know. Our first friend. Um, <laughs> Everyone's first friend. I know. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Like um, he hit me up and then uh, emailed me. I didn't I didn't respond to his emails for a long time because I thought it was a scam. It was oh. just like, all these things. Like I'm not going to reply real. to an American dude, you know, like just like fly out to L.A. not not doing what to do. Um but he came out to Kuala Lumpur, the city where I'm from, um, uh, met up with me and, um, you know, we got to know each other, kind of like talk about our um, the music career um, that could be, you know, like a potential music career uh, out here. And I was like, all for it, you know, OK, fine, let's do it. And um, um, so Ben, he's been in the music industry for a very long time. He just just started it a music management like okay. label and um he worked um uh in radio for like a long long time so um yeah i mean like i guess like i got really lucky that he was kind of like this fun like nice and friendly person you know as a manager because like yeah getting a good manager happen, is hard <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's dope um so when you guys were working um on uh on the track the, the work you do with Pharrell was that you guys working together in the studio or was it like he did the track and then you came in and did uh-huh. it like how did that come together Yeah I know I was I was in the studio with him, with him uh, okay. yeah so Talk we were about that magic Yeah we uh wow I was traveling from Malaysia to Los Angeles and then I took a flight to Miami and then from Miami like took the I remember this, like, from Miami airport, we took the taxi, and I didn't, like, shower for three days, and just, oh, like, wow. went to the studio, and then I was like, okay, well, maybe I get to put some makeup on, and then, nope, he comes out from his car, I'm just like, all right, well, that's it, hi, I'm Yuna, <laughs> hi, Pharrell, uh, yeah, I haven't showered in three days, so, but, you he know, he was, <laughs> he, he was really funky. sweet, you know, like, we got into the studio, start working, and, um, Live Your Life was, like, the song that kind of just, like, I was kind of, like, uh, afraid of moving forward with the music because yeah. he made that beat, like, um, I remember, like, maybe, like, we've been in the studio for five days, and he was like, do you like this? You know, he was working on something, and I thought, I legit thought that he was doing that beat for someone else. And I'm like, uh, oh, no, this is dope. I love it. And he's <laughs> like, okay, cool, right on this. I'm like, wait, what? You know, like, I, how do I do this? But, um uh, he guided me through it, you know, so it was fun. Like, it was a learning process. Like, I've never worked with a hip-hop producer before, so it was, it kind of, like, taught me to be more experimental, if you can, you know, like, yeah. or open to new genres, because back then I was really just doing acoustic. I was in my own bubble, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're doing, like, when uh, your creative process, 
when you're writing, uh, what comes first? Is it melody first or is it like lyrics, words first? How does that come together? Um, it depends, really. Like I can, I'm pretty much, you know, flexible when it comes to songwriting. Cause I've been doing, I've been doing it for a long, long time. <laughs> so it's like either I am like I come up with lyrics, I write down some words. Um, Are you one of these people? Cause I'm, I do it. Do you keep notes in your phone? Oh, you, yeah, you definitely. You have like three albums worth of material in your phone. That yeah, hasn't <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have like a lot of materials in my phones. Um, like um, chapters, for example, my my rec- the the new, new album, album yeah. Um, yeah, most of it was just like me writing on my my phone, like my notes, yeah. Pharrell is like not the only like living legend that you work with. It's weird. This is a short career, but you working with like great. She's people. knocking him down, yeah. David Foster, like David. That's what David I was saying. Foster. Foster. That, that, yeah. That's like that's I feel after like you love work with gone. David Foster, you you have to have like twenty years under your yeah. belt to get that get right. that one. So how did that come, how did that happen? Well, uh, so when I first came out to LA, obviously we went to meet up with a lot of ANR people, you know, like a lot of labels, like shopping for labels, and we met up with um, um, uh, an ANR from Verve. And at the time, that was like five years ago. Like the first person that I met was this this lady from from Verve Records and um universal and um she was she she was in love with me you know she really believed in my career and um uh back then like um david foster was not in the picture yet so after a while uh you know like he joined verf and um he found out about me and then like he was like oh you know like why didn't we sign this girl like in the (laughs) very beginning so it was really cool to be able to um, you know, come to uh, see him and then like play some songs for him and you know like um, work with him like for for a song on this album. So yeah, it's did you really know, special. were you familiar of like who were you familiar with who he was like before? Oh working? yeah, okay. definitely. He's huge in Malaysia. He really? would come wow. out. He would come out and like do his own concert. It's do like, they go crazy over you yet when you go home? Do they? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so I'm kind of she's she's very modest. She's very modest. <laughs> and you must get a lot of love too because like Uni, you, you haven't changed who you are. I'm sure at some point there was some resistance about you being, of course, the proud Muslim woman that you are yeah. like, and how you, you dress the way you dress even though you had, you funkied it up to a level that is like, <laughs> whoa. But was there ever any resistance to you just like, being you? Oh, uh, no, not really. I mean, like, I've never faced any, like, um, you know, anything challenging like that. labels, because people always say. No, I mean, uh, no, not at all. You know what's weird, though? I went through that back home in Malaysia because, like, yeah, like, covering up was just something, like, weird. Like, if you want to be an artist, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's something, that's another reason why I stayed independent for a very long time. Because, okay, well, they're, they're not going to accept me for who I am. I got to change, so I'm not going to change. I'm just going to do my thing. And um, But coming out here was surprisingly, like, super easy. Everyone was just like, I, you know, I was with the Fader label for, for a while. And they were super sweet, super supportive, and really believed in, like, my, my work and my talent. And, um, yeah, just like, it was just easy for me. Are you doing yeah. anything in the fashion lane? Uh yeah, I am a little uh-huh. bit, a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I really want you to. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I think will. It seemed like it would be a natural fit for you. Yeah. Your newest record, Chapters. Uh, you were talking about how this was written. If I'm not mistaken, it was this record. It was written after the end of a relationship. 
or was it? <laughs> it was inspired by a breakup. Was, okay, or, kind of. You're like it, you're not sure. Was was? I, no, 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 no. I just want to. I know it. I know it was a record inspired by breakup. Every yeah, R&B album is inspired I, by breakup. <laughs> shit, I know it was one of the motherfuckers. But <laughs> I'm just saying. I just want to make sure I'm referencing the right record. Mm. Uh, it was chapters, at, yeah, every, yeah, yeah. and you were saying uh-huh. that you wanted to write a record. Um, you know, previously you were in a relationship and you were, I guess, too dependent, codependent on that relationship that you mm-hmm. were in. And so you said, you know, I want to write a record that, you know, I was single, I'm free, and I yeah. want to write something in that state of mind. Yeah. Um, what is the difference between those two states of mind in terms of creating from a place of I'm in this relationship and maybe I'm a little too dependent on it versus I'm free and, you know, I'm, yeah. I let that go? Um, I, I mean, I guess like you being a singer songwriter, you just tend to write like obviously what you know best, you know, like you know what's in your heart. And for me, like at the time, like, I was going through like you know like a, a breakup, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really hard, you know. And uh, but now I'm kind of you know like I'm I've moved on, obviously. But at the time, like um, I was really in that moment. So like, what do I do? Like, okay, like. I'm in that moment and then I have to write an album like duh <laughs> obviously you you'll end up just writing you know what what you what you're feeling and that's how it's supposed to be you know instead of just like writing happy songs or like you know faking a, a song and um uh yeah I guess um it's a uh, it really depends like um for chapters I I wanted to write about okay like at the time I was going through a breakup and then in the present like I feel kind of like in the limbo you know so mm. there's a song called Mannequin where I just kind of feel that way and then in the future it's like um, best love like the kind of love that I want for the future you what know? kind so, of love do you want for the future? Uh-huh. Uh, the best kind of love <laughs> kind of, well tell you know, let everyone know because I mean hey this is Quest Love Supreme and uh, you never know, your best love could be listening right now. <laughs> so let the, the people know, you know, let what what does the best love look like best for love. you? What does it's it look just, like for you? Um, you know, someone who's just uh, like who have the best intentions for you, you know, like who just wants you to be happy inside out, like without expecting anything back. Not that I'm not going to give you anything back. You know, obviously there there will be like a it's a two way thing, but. Someone, someone who's just purely like, like lovely. I just want someone lovely, you know. And um, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. that was beautiful. I, 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 I might need some napkins. I might, I'm like, so y'all cutting these onions in here, man. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you thank you so much for taking time. Thank you um, for having and, and coming through and chopping it up with us about being lovely and lovely. Yeah, stay and, lovely, guys, and, yeah. and everything. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Yuna on Press Up Supreme. Thank you. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. 
So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is Questlove Supreme, Fontigolo, Laia, Yo. Unpaid Bill, Boss yeah. Bill, Hello, Sugar Steve is not here. Scott Yayo yeah. in the building. Uh, this is Quest Love Supreme, y'all. Team Supreme is in the building. This is how we go down. Listen, we are here today. This is we're live in New York City at the Roots Picnic. Um, so if you hear any background noise or whatever, um, that is the noise from musicians doing what they do, getting paid. And uh, <laughs> one of the few times we do actually get goddamn paid. Really? Oh, when you talk, when, when you're doing you're a show. On your show, on your show. Right. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but nah, man. So listen, we're live here, and we're here today. Well, with a young man who is by birthright music royalty. Mm. Mm. Royalty. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Royalty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, like it is. Man, I'm not. I mean, no, no, no bullshit, no overselling. I mean, this is it's actual facts, bro. Um, ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Big quest love supreme round of applause, Mr. Daniel Marley, y'all. Give it up. Hi. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. you. Man, thank you for being here. Half human, half ninja. Ninja, full ninja. (laughs) Full ninja. (laughs) Okay. Half human, full ninja. Full tell it tell us about because the cause the note that we got was that you know you half human, half ninja. But you saying you're full ninja. Like Yeah, I mean, of course. Okay. <laughs> tell us about the life of a ninja. <laughs> I mean, we live a- this life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we okay. We Wait. live this life, bro. Cause ninja doubles for it, niggas. Ni- so. is, that, uh, is that it? It's, a, it's one of those words we can, you know, when it fits. Oh, half oh. human, half oh, so ninja. Gotcha. But I'm not is, half no, I'm ninja. You're ninja. Okay. Oh, okay. So oh, it sound nicer. No, because I'm a ninja, though. Oh. I, I you know, I'm, I'm very much into martial arts fully, you know. Grew up um, very into Bruce Lee, into his philosophy, oh, wow. you know, into everything he says, into his trainer as well. Um, and so that that culture of martial arts is, uh, is a big deal to me and, and how they live their life. And, you know, the Shaolin monks are very spiritual folks. And that's pretty much... Uh, 
uh, path that I, I love to take. If I had a choice, I would have been in the Shaolin Temple, like wow. just training. Yeah, you have a you usually just bought a pet named Shaolin. Mm -hmm. Is that Is I it? do like Pitbull Labrador mix, little baby. Whoa, named Shaolin. Need a picture, you know, <laughs> young animal ninja, you know. That's dope. Yeah. What um what like the principles that they teach in that? Mm -hmm. Uh, what if any have you applied that to your music career? Like um, how do they mirror each other in any way? Well, mainly being like water, you know, mm. as in keeping a flow, you know, never, never locking yourself into a corner. Um, like this bottle, it's filled with water. The water can't go anywhere else. If we put a hole in here, it's out, and it keeps going wherever it wants to go. It just, you know, and and always not to be, never get phased by things, you know. Um, and that's pretty much one of the main things. Where if you take that and apply it, it lead you to a lot of other. Aspects mm. of it as well. Got you. Uh, at the beginning of the interview, I, you know, referred to you as being, you know, royalty, and uh, that certainly is no, you know, no overstatement. Uh, he is uh, Daniel, your dad, Ziggy, uh, right. Ziggy Marley, who yep. is, of course, uh, the son of legendary Bob Marley. Um, when you talk about being like water, and you know, you know, not want to be restricted, uh, was there ever a point in your life where you felt like being uh, a son of such luminaries did you almost kind of feel like at times that like man I, I have to do music like I have no other choice to do anything else well I have no other choice because this is what I'm good at right it's not really you know we tried a, a couple other things what you know? did you try what, we tried what, to go to school work? you know you know what I'm saying like got kicked out of that you know mm, it wasn't for me the school thing what were you going um, to school for I was going to school for music um, production and music orchestra orchestrating oh, music. Nice. I was really into classical and I wanted to basically just like take courses in that lane hmm. and learn how, how that world went. Um, and it just didn't work out, you know. Why but didn't it why didn't it work out? For I you? couldn't afford the tuition, man. Oh, financial shit. aid. They won't give me financial aid because of what you said earlier. Right. <laughs> that's what I mean. A lot of people listen like you said. They see that fast. Right. So they're, they're like, like hey, hey, bro, he don't need no financial I'm like, hey, yeah, no Marley I'm trying to go to school. Um yeah, but life is what it is, you know. I grew up with my mom, so okay. we it's a different it's a different thing. So the whole royalty side of it, you know, I look up to my granddad and my old man for for what they've doing, um what they do, what he's doing right now, what my granddad has done, but like my granddad does not he'd never think of himself in that way. And um that's where I take like when I talk about music and 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 the whole mission, I go from his perspective mm. i don't really go from the perspective of after his death and what people perceived you know i kind of still listen to his words and understand that it's not about that you know we grew up knowing it's not about that some of us me my sister um that was the lessons we grew up with you know it was never a silver spoon thing i grew up around studios but they weren't you couldn't just use the studio you really you had to be good wow. you know what i mean like you had to first learn how to wrap the cables up Ah, you know what so I mean? Like, like all a, of that. Yeah, like you are. Yeah, pretty kind of much. Thing. Like you couldn't use the studio just because. Um, and so, and that was my uncle Stephen growing me like that. And I pretty much grew around him, Uncle Damien, in Florida. And you know, it was like that. So were you raised in? Where, where were you? I was raised in Jamaica. I moved to moved to Miami when I was fifteen. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So I lived in Florida from fifteen to like I'd say twenty one. Then I I went to L.A. So is that now, where you are now? Right now, you're, yeah. you're in LA now. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's um, that's so dope to hear you say about how you know uh, 
you know, before you get in the studio, you had to wrap the cables up. You know yeah. What I'm like learning you know, that. Yeah, you know, really, it's you got to appreciate all parts of it in order to really be about it. Um, and I'm very passionate about it, so I do want to know how to do it. And I do it a lot. A lot of the things I do is, is by myself. Mm. So I'm home and I, you know, I hook my whole plug up, I plug up everything, you know, I break it down when I need to, but I record myself, um, all instruments usually. And that's really where it came from. That teaching of starting from the, the ground is really what my whole passion in my life is about. Like we start from zero, you know, we don't start from, yo, he's Bob Marley's grandson. We start from this is Bambata. What are you going to do? Who are you? You know, what are you about? Um, are you good enough? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm, so, nah, totally. And so from there, that's where it's it. That's dope, man. Thanks, man. Uh, when you start off, you know, when you first started making your early record, well, first of all, how old were you when you first started recording? Um, I'd say the, the first record I recorded, I was, um, I'd say like uh, 18. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was Before, that the record you did with your dad? No, nah, I did that when I first got to LA. So I was about 21 when I did that. Okay. Um, you know, and that happened like real random. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went to LA. He lives in LA. Okay. Uh, I was in Miami, me and my sister for years and years. I went to LA to go check him. Uh, he was like, oh, you want to do a song? I'm like, well, wow. yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure, why not? So then, you know, he just asked me to write something down, like, you know, a little 15 minute. I wrote a verse, did it. And I just went back to the crib. And that was it. That was just... <laughs> wow. That's dope. That's kind of awesome, man. Yeah, that's dope, man. So, like, with, with when you were working with your dad, yeah. um, you know, keeping, you know, that spirit of, you know, how you were saying, just having to kind of work your way up. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it like for you when, when he... Was that kind of a... Um, it was definitely... A validation kind of, like... No. Signing? Was it, it was... Like it, to me, it was like, you know, this is a good time. Let's, let's do this right now. It's a good time. Um, no, nah, I don't look for validation from family members. Um, I'm really looking for y'all to like my stuff, you know. Um, no, it's, it, they could like it too, but that's my family. But really, it's about the they people, you know, the people. <laughs> right, 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 it's right. like, right. we can't hate him. Right. Right. Or they don't, because yesterday we had Smashing Hearts here, and they're like the sons of uh, oh, right. Dwayne Wiggins, Tony, Tony, Tony. And yeah. they were saying that Raphael Sadiq and Dwayne they're Wiggins are very hard yeah, on yeah, them man. when it comes yeah, to yeah. music. Yeah, no, it's not an easy thing when you come from a family of music. Right. You know, it's, the pressure is applied. You know, you really have to live up to certain things, but I don't put that pressure on myself because I don't even do the same sound like... You know, I'm a different being. Um, I have I have different dreams because of how I grew up. And so the things that I'm looking to do and looking for are a little bit different than that. What is it that you're looking for? Like, what are your, your goals? Um, respect in music first is, is a big deal. I, I feel like a lot of people have to appreciate when someone really is doing it. Mm. Um, we have a lot of cats that just do things. But some folks are actually doing it. They live it every day. You know, they want to get better every day. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not practicing something or trying to learn something new when it comes to the guitar, drums, vocals. Just always pushing myself. It's never like, yo, I'm just going to chill and then I'm going to go to the studio today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> every day we're at it like, yo, we got to write a better song. Let's keep pushing. So that, that coming from the family, like that too is, is a part of that where it makes you, you know, hungry for it. Do you record with, uh, when you say, you know, you're working every day and uh, it's really dope to hear that you record yourself because um, that's something that uh, I think a lot of artists, maybe a little bit more now they do it because, you know, you can actually have a studio at home and get good right. sound. Yeah. But um, it's still, you know, you, you don't see too, too many guys that really 
take the time to learn that stuff. Uh, do you collaborate mainly, you know, with a band? Do you you say you play? Do you, are you like guitar? So I play like I'll, I'll program before before I started writing lyrics um, or singing or rapping. I used to just build beats, so I would make beats using reasons and drum wow. machine, you know. So we just made beats at first. It was just all producing stuff. So I grew up producing, playing piano a bit. I don't know it like that. I really know the drums. Okay. I grew up playing the drums. And I picked up the guitar, like, I'd say from this point four years ago, three years ago, mm. um, because I, I went on a small tour. I had a dream, a literal sleep, and I had a dream. <laughs> like, yo, take all the money you make from this run, go buy yourself a guitar, and start writing a whole bunch of different songs based on what was happening it's like i was doing a lot of hip-hop but when you put it out on the soundcloud people could take they just take you know what i'm saying so i had a, I had situations where my, my my music was just being taken and so and this is like full songs with vocals and everything on it like just yeah like somebody will take the hook you know what i mean wow you know what i'm saying like you know and i mean they'll do it on the same beat you know because that's what you could do right. when you talk about mixtape stuff you know yeah um and then i realized like I have more love for this, so I have to do something that you can't just recreate. Can't just like it, you yeah. can't just take it. And so I got the guitar and I just started teaching myself how to play, and and just started writing different songs. Songs that you know everything came came more from inside because when you you have that connection to to a live instrument, you can find more things inside of yourself. You know, it's so, it's so much more. So that that helped. That's, dope. that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. When you um we were uh I was looking online, uh we were like trying to find some some music and what's the the uh the status of everything? Are you working on an album? When is, is, or you just have stuff like on SoundCloud? So like, right now the album the album is about I'd say 95% finished. Okay. Um there's a few things I want to record while I'm out here just to seal it up. But the album is, is pretty much ready. It's called UNX. And the definition at this point is unknown. Mm. That's the definition. Um, I feel like we search for the things we don't know in life. That's what we're all, you know, that's what we do. We're like, yo, we don't know this, so we're going to learn it. <laughs> we don't know this, so we're going to, you know what I mean? So I call it unknown based on that, that drive of, of seeking. You know, why are we here? What's my point? You know, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And um, really being connected to, to yourself to know if you're on the right track, you know. So I call it the unknown. And it's basically uh, open space of unlimited possibilities. That's what the unknown is. Was know? there a moment with where you realized, like, or, I mean, or do you still, do you maybe kind of oscillate? Do you, where you feel like, yo, I'm on the right track. Like, I know this is where I'm supposed to Yeah, I'm definitely on the right track right now. Um, the music that's coming out. The things I'm I'm talking about and singing are really, really powerful to me and and you know to the close friends around who know it, you know they give you they they'll give you more assurance you know your, your people you know, um, but definitely I'm on the right track for sure. Coming here to play this gig is is the craziest thing. Man. Like, <laughs> yo, what yeah. was that like? Root? That's your first I mean, picnic, right? Truth, yeah, it's the first show like this. You know, the first that's like uh, I mean, like, like in terms show? of in terms of in this vein, you know, in this lane of where what I'm trying to do. You know, okay. this is pretty much like yo, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, uh, gotcha. Yeah, I played I played a lot of shows. It's mainly reggae shows based on a name. You know, um, but this show. So feels like, like this it's where you want to be. This is yeah, like, this, this is based like on debut. the music. Yeah, pretty much. It's like this is the sound. 
um, it, it is a lot of different things. It's not one thing. Um, there's influences of all types of music within it, but it's, it's not reggae. Wow. You know, it's not pop. It's not just hip hop. You know, it's it's rock. It's soul. You know, it's funk. It's R and B. It's jazz. I heard. Yeah, I was surprised because I didn't. Because I was walking up and um, I caught like maybe the last five ten minutes of okay. the set because I was we was had to come up here to set up and so I was walking in and I saw it and I was like, well, who's that on? And so I looked at the sketch. I was like, oh, that's. I was like, oh wow, that's him. <laughs> right. And so you know, I saw you. I was like, man, like it, it sounded really dope from Thank over here. You. I was up, but I had to come up and yeah. you know get to work for our slave I appreciate master. your time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that whip, that whip coming, <laughs> man. Yeah, I had to get up. So, but uh, but, but nah, man, it, it sounded dope. <laughs> master, <laughs> did you? Uh, was <laughs> the thing? I'm the fixing thing... to come upstairs, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny because there was a master Thompson. Y'all. I'm sure there was like. <laughs> Life. Uh, right, you're real, right. That's real, why. That's why the name thing. You know, I yeah. kind of. That's why my name's African. You know, Bambata's uh-huh. African name. I'm. I'm. You know. There's so you a lot really of, rather you know, go straight Bambata, no Daniel Marley at all, or yeah. It's it's my sound. It's me. You know, and you, you know, you get to know me. You you know that yo, know, this this is him. How did you choose Bambata? That's my name though, uh-huh. like birth name. Oh, that's your middle name. Oh, okay. Okay. It's okay. my it's it's my middle name. Okay. Oh, gotcha. See y'all like so, Margaret Laia. <laughs> okay. Okay, Calm Margaret. Down, Margaret. All right, Margaret. Okay. Oh, okay She's like, Margaret. yeah. yeah. Okay, Another Margaret. one. Okay, Margaret. A bill collector name and one for your family. That's right. Margaret. Margaret. One of the things I think is dope um, about uh, the the younger generation, um, you know, when you say that your music is not just reggae, you know, it's a mixture of a lot of things. Uh, the thing about the younger generation, I think, is that you guys seem to be open to a lot more. Indeed. A lot more music. And um, I think, you know, I, I have a son that's 15, and he listens to everything. And I think largely in part because that generation now, like, they are they can get everything for free. I mean, everything. They can just go to mm-hmm. YouTube and look up whatever genre they want. Um, did you feel any kind of pushback from anyone that, you know, you said you do the reggae festivals but this is kind of where you want to be. Did you feel any pushback from people who felt you should be doing more traditional? Everybody, kind of music? a lot of people, once they first hear about me, they think I should only play reggae. Mm-hmm. I actually don't play any at all. Um, I have some songs that are out from before, but everything I create, it's just what I feel, you know? And mm-hmm. I can't really, I'm never gonna just feel what somebody else felt and do it, you know? And so this music that's coming out of me right now is, is how I feel. It is what I feel. Um, I can do a reggae song in 10 years. You know, you got people doing reggae songs right now, Drake and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. People, it's not about, but it's how I feel. And that's my goal is to really put my feeling on wax and get it out there, you know? And, and try to have people, I know people feel the same way. Yeah. Like, we're singing about real things, you know? We're singing about life. Like, there's nothing that you didn't go through that I'm not singing about. Um, and so, yeah. Talk to me about some of your hip hop influences. I was reading about you, <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Man, like this kid, like really, you know, Nas, and like you, you had like a lot of." Yeah, you know, um, as far as hip hop goes, it's like mainly East Coast for me. You know, Big L, Guru. Wow. Um, I, I usually L. wake up. Wow. I wake L. up. <laughs> yeah, I wake up. How did you? Okay, okay, just yeah, for the you? listeners. <laughs> you're how old? How, how old are you? Twenty seven. You're twenty seven. Okay, yeah. Big L. How did? You how how that happened? Yeah. 
just based on I I love old school rap. I love old school hip hop. Um, yeah. for me, music like like Jamaica and and hip hop has a great relationship mm-hmm. based on the starting of hip hop. Exactly. You know, cool her cool coming through, right? Exactly. So with that and and that knowledge is the knowledge I use and take and apply it to my music. Where it's like, we can do that. It's all that. Reggae music is is influenced by everything else too that was happening. James Brown, Beatles, you know, the rock era, like it's all that combined and then the island flavor, which is mm-hmm. you know, that's the feeling of the people. That's how they feel. Um and so that's why that is a different sound. But it's all music is all from it's all parts, you know. Every genre is, is here for us to use and like when you were saying about your son being able to to have access to any type of music, any sound he wants to, to put inside his brain is really an evolution that we're going through as people, musicians, you know, where you can't be blocked off because the world is so much bigger for us right now. Yeah, you know, totally. it's only natural that we're going to apply. You know, it's like without without internet, all right, maybe you'll do what you're, what's only happening in your community because that's what you got. That's what you know. That's where you are. But you have the whole world right now. So it's like, why why stop why stop? Yeah. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Live from Roots Picnic here in New York City. So if you hear any noise, it's just me and the boys uh, getting it on. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm so happy. It's funny. Me and this brother know a lot of the same people. who ran a lot of the same circles. 
But uh, this is actually our first time meeting face to face, and um, it's crazy. Uh, this brother is um, one of the the I would say the the next school or the the of, of Philly MCs. Um, you know, when I was coming up, you know, I was listening to you know just the OGs three times dope, Cool C, Steady Ow. B. You know what I'm saying? Of course, Schoolie D, uh, of course. Sure. And uh, then um, once I guess college, uh, this was when you know, The Rock took over, and um, really, uh, it was uh, the Philly that... It was the, on the backs of Philly. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. State property. And, um, you know, and this brother was um, a cat I always admired. He always had just really unconventional rhyme schemes. Kind of unconventional in the way that he would kind of wrap around uh, his rhymes. Like, he would start with one bar and then go on that for a while, but then break off and then go back to another one, kind of like a boomerang kind of thing. And I always thought that was really dope. Thank you, bro. And uh, yeah, man, um, and I'm such an honor to have him here with us. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for my man, Freeway, on Quest of the Yeah. Fresh on stage. Ah, how you feel, man? How was it? How did it go today? Oh, man, I feel great, man. It's a wonderful experience, man, you know. Shout out to Reek, you know, for bringing me out. We was on stage, we just performed. Did a legendary cipher with le all legends, man. It, it's, I, I'm still caught up in the moment right now, man. Who was it's it? Just, it was me. It was Black Thought. It was Smith and Wesson. Oh, Whoa! Wow. Damn. It was Big Daddy Kane. Wow. It was oh my god! It was Royce Five Nine. Oh snap! Damn. I need a hit. Wow. Pharrell Munch. And we were over cool here. And we were over here stuck in the fucking room. Like, and, and we at the end we did a we did a cypher to the symphony beat. Oh, oh Fonte, close your, close your ears. Cool I'm sorry. Cool G Rap, Kane, and Craig G kicked their original verse. Oh. Wow. Okay, I'm, 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 I gotta uh, go. I'm here. Hey, y'all hey. over here. I don't know what, what y'all doing over here. But oh. y'all missed it, boy. Yo, we, we over, we're over here failing at life, apparently. We don't know what we're doing either, Freeway, if it makes you feel like that. Oh, man. Yo, Welcome was, to Quest Love Supreme, only on Quest It was amazing, man. That's dope, man. That's really dope. Um, I was Shout out happy birthday, Black Thought, man. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. And yeah. I got I got I gotta take okay. my hat off to him because the brother really put it together and he had the most craziest job because he did verses like before before we did the actual cipher, he brought each of us out and we did some of our records and he like actually did a couple verses to each person's mm. record. Wow. And that's hard. You know, it's hard enough just remembering your, your own, own shit. shit. Yeah, like, yeah, you know what right. I'm saying? So commend that man, hats off to that man. One of the greatest. One of the greatest, un Most unquestionably. Uh, one thing I wanted to rap about, man, it was uh, it was interesting. I had was doing some work. This was a couple years back. Uh, my man, Brother Ali, uh, Rhyme Sayers. Yeah, yeah. And, Shout out, uh, Brother Ali. Yeah, man. And um, he, me and him, we actually toured together. The first Little Brother tour um, that we went on with Hieroglyphics, we toured. Uh, we did a couple of dates with Brother Ali in Atmosphere. And so he was telling me at the time, he was like, yo, man, I got this new record about to come out with Freeway. This shit's going to be crazy. I was like, well, he didn't take shit. It was gonna be crazy because he don't. He, brother Ali, Ali is like, man. man, brother Ali, Ali is like the coolest, like most zen like dude ever. <laughs> but he was like, yo, it's crazy. He's like, I got a joint. I was like, cool. And so later out, it came out and it was the record, the truth. Um, it was the the truth record. Um, yeah. It was uh, talk to me about that with you and being with Rhyme Sayers. I thought it was so dope how someone like you that was on, you know, the rock and like was on like that major major, you know, label could then. Fuck with someone like Rhyme Sayers. That's like, yo. Know, for those who don't know, Rhyme Sayers is like. Yeah, shout out Rhyme Sayers, man. It was a great experience. Great experience indie. working with them, man. You know, they really care about the music. You know, me and Jake want to put the album together, and it's like a critically acclaimed album. Like everybody loved the album, and 
you know, when the whole rock split up came, I just went back to what I normally do, and that's work hard. You know what I'm saying? I was trying whatever I could do. Like, before I did the project with Jake One and Rhyme Sayers, I did something called Month of Madness, where I dropped a record every day for the that. whole month. Like, I just went hard. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, I can't go back to doing what I was doing before this, so mm-hmm. I got to go hard. And, you know, by the grace of God, I've been able to ma- maintain a successful career throughout the whole time I've been doing it, so... What was that transition like, man, going from, you know, when you say, like, once The Rock split up and then saying, okay, well, I got to go back to doing what it is I normally do. What is that transition like going from working, uh, like, being with the major to then kind of being more independent and having to do things on your own? Was that a big transition for you? I mean, everybody can't do it. Like, you know, a lot of people... They didn't. A lot of people could be fucked up in the head, but you got to understand where I'm coming from and the type of person that I am, like... In the middle of me being super successful, like in the middle of Rock the Mic, what we do when them joints was getting like 5,000 spins a week, I went to Mecca. I went to Saudi Arabia, made my pilgrimage. I went with like 20 other brothers. I was sleeping on the floor. I was doing everything everybody else was doing. So just taking that trip in general, just getting there, it takes a lot of patience because mm-hmm. we had to switch a couple flights. We had to wait in the airport six, seven hours. Like, you know, so I'm used to having patience and dealing with certain situations. So when the breakup first happened, it probably took me like a couple of weeks just to get myself together and just dig what's really going on with everything. And then I just went back to what I normally do. And that's work hard and grind, you know? So I'm still here, man. That's I'm still alive, man. you know? Yeah, I wanted to uh, speak with you. I was, uh, this was, I mean, a couple, I was reading on, it might have been on OK Player, <laughs> believe it or not. It might have been on OK Player. Um, in terms of uh, your health, uh, what yeah, you're going yeah. right now with your kidneys. Mm-hmm. Speak to us a little bit about that. What kind of led to it and how has that changed your well, life? Well, right in September now? of 2015, I was diagnosed with end stage renal failure. That's kidney failure. So mm. as of right now, I got to do dialysis three times a week, four hours a day. Um, I'm actually active on a transplant list, so they could call me anytime with a new kidney and I got to go to the hospital and they're going to do the operation. Mm. Just, uh, just like with the rock breakup, like when it first happened, fuck me up. I got the call from my doctor. It was like, you need to get to the emergency room right now. So the first thing I did, you know, I'm a devote Muslim. So the first thing I did was I went to the masjid. I prayed. I asked God to help me deal with whatever the situation is. I didn't really know to what extent it was, you know. Mm-hmm. I did that. Went to the hospital. They diagnosed me with kidney failure. That day, they cut my chest open, put a catheter in my chest. And the next day, I was doing dialysis. Wow. And I've been doing it ever since then. The only difference is now uh, I got a fistula in my arm, which okay. is when they take your main vein from the bottom of your arm and bring it up to the top of your arm so they can access it. Then they tie the artery off, and that's how they access my dialysis. They put two needles in each in my arm each time I go. One needle drains the blood out, puts it in the machine, cleans the blood, and the other needle pumps the blood back in. It's a four-hour process, and everything is going good, you know, so... But what led up to it was in, uh, like, 2012, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and diabetes, which are two of the leading risk factors for kidney failure. I actually have three risk factors. One is being African-American. The other is high blood pressure. The other is diabetes, you know. So Mm -hmm. anybody out there that have any of those risk factors, just being black is a risk factor. So you need (laughs) to keep up. That's a risk factor for a lot of shit. Yeah, it sure is. (laughs) You need to keep up with your routine physicals, man. Make sure you see the doctor uh, at least once a year. Check get get checked up, and you know, cause 
once I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and diabetes, I took it serious in the beginning. But just like with everything else, you know, as time passes, you, you tend to like not pay as much attention to it. Like I was taking my medicine, but then I remember like when I first got on, when I first got it, I was like, I remember one day I went to go see Beans and Beans, Beans, he got uh, high blood pressure and diabetes also. He was eating a cheesesteak. I'm like, what you doing eating a cheesesteak? You know we're not supposed to be eating a cheesesteak. Like three months later, I was eating cheesesteak. So, you know, it's just about being aware and staying, and staying on point and, you know, taking care of yourself and keeping up with your routine physically. That's dope, man. Um, in terms of, uh, like, during, you know, because, I mean, being MCs, anyone, uh, not just MCs, but being anyone working in the business will tell you traveling is, like, the biggest diet killer. Yes. Like, anything you're trying to do right, being on the road just fucks that up completely. I'm gonna tell y'all some real shit. Like when we like with the first tour, first couple tours with Jay, Jay was eating crab cakes, <laughs> fish sticks. <laughs> I'm not even paying attention. I'm fucking burgers up, steaks, yeah. eating whatever I want. He like, man, I'm telling you, you better eat right. Then wow. you know, you see what happens, man. You know, you it's, it's it's more than just rat. You gotta take care of everything. You gotta make sure everything is up to par. Man, and that's how it is. Uh, with you, do you have uh, family? You like kids, wife? Or yeah, yep, your... yep, everything. Family, how... kids, wow. everything. Two how old kids. Are your, how old are your kids? Fifteen and sixteen. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. you know, so they they well aware of what's and going dope on. Dope children too, winning awards and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, you know, you oh, know. Go winning ahead, awards. Brag, brag on your children. Yes, please. <laughs> My daughter, you know, she she. Uh, when was that? Like last year, the year before, she won an award for uh, for for a poem that she made, and like she. Uh, she read the poem like in front of the commissioner and the mayor and a bunch of different people in the city, which was That's real dope. good for me. And she get good, great grades in school, like you know. So I'm very proud of her. My son, you know, he a little knucklehead, but he <laughs> he tries best. And, 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 you know, he he trying to do his rap thing too. So you know, I let him do his thing a little bit. Does he like? Are your kids? Because you know, we we ask a lot of guests that have kids. You know. Um, I have boys myself. My boys are fifteen and ten. Mm -hmm. Do they know like who their dad is? Are they aware? They've been like, they've been yeah. aware. In they've Philly, it's not a choice. Okay. You gotta think think about what we do. They was on my lap in that joint, so you know wow. they was they already was gone. Like, you know, especially <laughs> well, my son, you can't tell him he ain't a star. Oh wow! <laughs> so to see, do they like come to you for like your son? You know, you say he wants to rap. Does he come to you for advice, or does he look at you like he do now? Like he tried to do his thing on his own in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like you know, he was he was making a lot like his homies love his music, and everybody like his little friends love his music. But you know, I know how to do it, and I know you know the the route that you got to take and everything you got to do. And he tried not to listen to me in the beginning, but now you know he he on point. He learned. He learned. That's dope, man. You know, kids think they know everything. everything yeah. Yeah. I'm like, man, I, I'm a whole successful role model. And you talking about you think you know more than me. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I like that there's always one good one and one knucklehead. It doesn't matter what. There's two. There's always. Yeah, because yeah, your daughter is like, you got one daughter that's like the cool daughter and then the other one. The knucklehead. Like... She's a total knucklehead. That's a great word. It's totally what she is. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So um, in terms of right now, um, what, are, what are you working on? What's coming up? Oh, well, right now, you know, um, I got a new situation on the table that I'm working out, which is going to be great for me and for hip hop. So mm. something, to look, something, something to look forward to, something I'm very excited about. Oh, that's something, bigger than label. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, you know, since my situation, instead of like hiding what I'm going through, I, ch I chose to stand in front of it, you know. So I've been doing a lot of work with different kidney foundations 
And Mar- March 10th of 2016, I was awarded the Patient Advocacy Award mm. by the National Kidney Foundation, which was great for me. You, you know? were at the DNC this year. Yeah, I was at the DNC this year. I just yeah, was, it was in Philly. Just was right. at the White House yeah, last, but- last week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were you Wait, at the White House? You was at the National Museum, right? For the National African American? No, I was there for, uh, they, actually, they actually did a health summit, wow. Millennial Outreach Health Summit. It was last Tuesday, you know, so I uh, participated in that. You know, I just was with uh, Michelle when she came to Philly last Wednesday. That's what, <laughs> yeah. we, do, that's yeah. what we do. Excuse on, me, you're on yeah. first name uh, what, basis with you know, first name. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I was with Bill Clinton at, the, at Made in America, and, and I performed two days in a row at Made in America, too, which is a huge accomplishment for me. So. I actually performed Made in America. Exists for five years. I performed four out of the five years. Well, you were there for the first announcement of Made in America to Philadelphia, yeah, 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 so yeah. as it should be. Yes, sir. So you know, I'm that, just I'm just trying my best to do as much as I can and give back as much as I can. You know, so that's what I'm on. That's dope, man. That's dope. Well, free yo, we appreciate you taking this time to come through, man. After the performance, anytime, and, uh, and chop it up with us. And uh, I really salute you, just you know, for everything that you've done, and also just for you know, like you said. Getting in front of you know that health issue, yeah, um, yeah. you know I've uh, lost relatives um, to you know diabetes and you know, high blood pressure, and we've seen particularly in 2016 a lot of yeah. you know people like going five, young. Rest in peace, yeah, rest yeah. in peace, uh, fight dog, and uh, you know man, just for you to be out there and to be an, an advocate for it and bring more awareness to it, and just to really. You know, let brothers know. I mean, your health is something that is you know that's everything. That's the basis. Yeah, that's, you know it's it's important, man. You know because. There's so many people that is just unaware, you know, and, and awareness is the key, man. Like, if I would have been aware of how serious it was when I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and diabetes, I couldn't avoid getting ki- getting kidney failure because it was already in the works, but I could have prolonged it, you know, mm-hmm. if I would have been more aware of what was going on in my body. So awareness is the key, man. You That's know, dope. And just me being here and being able to perform for the people and and just them seeing me out here still going hard is motivation. I just want people to know, like, even though I have a disease, I have kidney failure, it's not a death sentence. I'm still living a productive life. I'm still doing, like I told you, I performed two days in a row in Made in America. I just shut it down at the Roots Picnic. If I never told y'all I was sick, nobody would never know. That's, that's true. And I'm about to go back to Philly, 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. I'm right back on the dialysis machine. Just take care of yourself. Because wow. when you when you drop that Instagram with you in the hospital on the first day, yeah. I don't cry over Instagram, but the tears was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Why is free in the hospital I in know, the bed? I know you love me, boo. I, I know. You <laughs> <laughs> know I do. I'm good. I'm good. God willing, I'll be here for a minute. Okay. That's what's up. Well, we, love you. we all love you, brother. Thank, Thank you, you man. for uh, what you uh, do. Pleasure man. meeting you, too, man. Yeah, for man. Sure. Yeah, for sure. For and, sure. Um, yo, thanks for coming through. And uh, when you know, whenever you, whenever your situation is final, you know, yep. that once it's done, Soon. you got to come back and we can talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I got it you. It's no problem. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, freeway. Cheer. Give it up. Switzerland. Yes, sir. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, give a big Quest Love Supreme round of applause to Easy Mo Breezy, the founders and creators of Grits and Biscuits. Yes. What's up, man? Going on. Performing at a party, performing you know at the saying? Roots picnic. Oh, we in this thing like How a chicken that? wing on the string in the middle of spring. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Listen, um, okay, so okay, so there are three of you in this collective. Easy Mo Breezy is the name of the collective, correct? And individually, it's Alzo, yep, Erica, DJ Squarebiz. Yes, sir. Okay, Erica, uh, I'm start with you because me and you have some uh, some ties. Uh, in that you 
uh, had the misfortune of going to <laughs> North Carolina Anti State University, Aggie Pride, which is Aggie uh, Pride. which is a, a, a great online college. Oh, and, um, you know what I'm saying? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I ain't even go to ANT. I oh. went to another HBCU, but I'm gonna have to square up on you. You ain't gonna, dis- okay. you ain't gonna disrespect right. my partner like that. It's all right. You know it's what I'm right. saying? I appreciate it. It's all right. Just because you got your associate's degree at <laughs> exactly. University, University of Phoenix online. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 he went to DeVry. North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central Central College. Central College. Central College. Central College. Yeah, I graduated from Central. Central College. I graduated from Central, and she's a Aggie. I didn't even know they gave degrees there. Yeah, yeah. Aggie Pride. Our online division is stepping up tremendously. Yeah, man. But no, she's a Aggie. I'm an Eagle, so I give her a joke a little bit. I actually grew up like right down the street from Auntie so you know. in Greensboro. So, so you're, you're, you know. it was too much. It was just like, dude, you know? I'm going to school it's in my in backyard. It's I can't. Yeah, I was at every homecoming up until I graduated. So. And, and you were there last year too. I was there last year. Exactly, oh. Aggie Pride. I was. When the last time you've been to Central? I haven't been to Central's homecoming in a long time. Oh. I be working because I be working. I'm always on tour. I'm always on tour, and so the one time I'm home. And I go, I went to Grits and Biscuits. Let me be clear. I went to Grits and Biscuits. <laughs> I wasn't at the homecoming. I don't even know who's at the game. Oh, snap. They played against Central. They did? No, I don't Fuck know. Fuck the game. <laughs> Central, Central only played flag football. Didn't <laughs> so, all right. So, all HBCU slander aside, uh, Erica, she uh, is a graduate of North Carolina Anti State University. And you were, as I understand it, Pretty much the kind of the creator of Oh this no, party. it wasn't or, just me. It was definitely a, a collective unit. So okay, but, we were all three of us were living in Brooklyn oh, and we, wow. but we're all from the South originally. And so the concept of the party really came up out of just a friendly we were friends first, a friendly conversation about at the time, two thousand nine. Yeah. Didn't hear a lot of southern hip hop music the way you do now in, in New, New York. York. Yeah, yeah. And at the time the majority of the parties that we you know, you saw in New York were very different in that it was velvet rope and bottle service. And so we decided just to come together and throw one party for friends and a party we would want to go to that was very reminiscent of the black college experience because we all went to HBCUs. Okay, so you went to, Erica, you went to T. Alza, where'd you go? Prairie View A&M University. Oh, oh you went no. to Prairie View. Okay. Oh. PV, baby. <laughs> that's where Guru went, right? Yeah, and that's, that's where, that's no, DJ Premier. Premier, Premier. Premier. Yeah, his, his pops was my dean of... Uh, Science there. Are you oh, serious? Wow. Yeah, me and him was tight. That's dope. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Shout out to DJ Premier. I'm working with him on the breaks right now. That's dope. And where'd you go fam to? You went to fam. Fam okay. You. Common dropped out of there. Yep. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> fam, yeah, fam. I think fam, I, I, that was one of my choices, actually. It was, I was... That you went to Central? Yeah. I went to Central. What's funny <laughs> is, my, I went to Central. my high school counselor, because I went to an academic high school, but I got real bad grades, and she was like, <laughs> I said, so what colleges can I get into? And she was like, have you ever heard of Prairie View? Hold up, I feel like that. I just, <laughs> where? I'm sorry. What is this? Because you were showing this. It was a setup. Right. Is this host? Is a prank show? Right, right, right. Man, what are the cameras in here, man? Nah, seriously, I was I was looking at FM, and the reason why I wanted to go to Fam at the time, it was um, the band. It was it was the band, yeah. and it was Luke. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, was yeah, a Luke yeah. fan, and so yeah. kind of Cam D coming, man. Come on, what? <laughs> and so yeah, so as a kind of I guess as a, a a parting gift. So I didn't go to Fam, but my first year at Central, our homecoming show was Luke. 
he nice. came, he closed, yeah. and then they never let him come back. <laughs> yeah, it was it was over. He, he had come with like twenty chicks. Yeah, he had like girls dancing. They were stripping, and um, that was okay. Just to show you like how life can come at you fast. Okay, so this was ninety seven. Jay Z was there. Wow. This is Jay Z. He performed at that homecoming show, and he was just off of uh, the, in my lifetime volume one. Oh, okay, right. volume one was out. Okay. And so, just to kind of show you how stuff can change hip hop, at the time, he wasn't even the guy. He was doing his show, and it was cool. He brought out Akinelli. Ooh! Akinelli yeah. shut shit down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. bodied it. He did put it, put it in your mouth. Yeah. Um, to all of the people, to our to You can stick it. To people, to, to just those just now tuning in, um, to give you kind of the... Um, the lineage of the Southern HBCU <laughs> tradition. I applied uh, to a number of black colleges. He <laughs> <laughs> say apply. <laughs> I did. I, I get into that. But back to you can lick it, you can stick it, you can take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, this was yeah, this is Akinelli. <laughs> okay. so, yeah, yeah Akinelli. Priorities, priorities. Jay-Z, Jay-Z was like the guy, but he wasn't the guy just then. He was becoming the guy. So Akinelli came in on his set, who was a rapper at the time, had a big hit, put it in your mouth. And also the B-side, fuck me for free. Yes. Yes. Which is another, yes. which another, yeah. which is another Negro spiritual. <laughs> but um, it's now sampled from somebody. It's Drake, Drake and Khaled. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. It is. Yeah, that one. That's right. That's right. You're right. So yeah, man. But uh, but yeah, so that was at the time. Uh, my <laughs> my black college experience. So um, so back to back to you guys with grits and biscuits. So you wanted to bring the black college experience to it was that that was where the idea came from wanted to bring that kind of up here up north yeah 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 to a certain extent like it was um you know to erica's point it was like the bougie dress code bottle service sparklers mm-hmm. all that you know and if you were if you if you were you there with your homeboy you couldn't get in the club unless you had 10 Some seemingly girls, good looking right. girls right. you know seemingly unattractive women couldn't get in the club you know and then if you did get in nobody was dancing they in heels and dresses right, and right, stuff right. And then the other extreme was like the super duper bohemian house parties, mm-hmm. which is dope. You know, they playing Fela, which is amazing. You know what I'm saying? And those are the folks that's in there. They, they you know, they they trying to save the world and all that. But every once in a while, you need to shake your ass. We ain't trying to do that shit tonight. We ain't gonna save it tonight. Nah, bro. you know what I'm saying? It's like it's a lot of stress trying to save the world. So once sometimes we need to take a break and get loose. You right. know, and, and so we create. You know, we created a party we want to go to, and who knew that other folks would want to come to it too? And six years fast forward, and we sitting here talking to y'all clowns. That's dope. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> Congratulations. But one of the things I, I, I think is so beautiful about you guys' party, man, is that, you know, a lot of times hip-hop, it gets the rep of, you know, when you talk about the parties that were in the city and you talk about how, you know, they would be very subtly racist shit that they would do, like no ball caps right, or right. no whatever, right. like, no hoodies no right. hoodies like you know little shit that it's like okay we know who the fuck y'all talking to you <laughs> right. know what I mean right. but you know what I mean so and because there's this stigma that hip hop creates quote unquote violence I was at I've been to three of you guys parties and this is a you know southern rap part so all the violence inciting rap songs so like a knuck if you buck yeah. or like tear the club up tear the club up yeah. those songs go off and there has never been, I've never seen any fight. In the, in the parties I've been through, yeah. uh, it's never been any kind of foolishness. Uh, it's never been, um, just as you say, it's very much as a come as you are. I mean, yeah. it is a party you can walk up in if you just got on your jeans and a t-shirt, then you can rock like that. And it's, the, the parties I've been to, there has never been just a more just easygoing 
just it's a very familiar atmosphere. Yeah. And yeah. I really uh, appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, when you first started off, what was it like trying to bring that here up or in New York or in, in the North? Was it any difficulty with that? Erica and Zoe can talk about that because they were trying to go to the different venues and we getting no love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think at first it was just people weren't, it was, they didn't understand the concept. Yeah. Okay. And then we also, we also got the question like, are you guys party promoters in New York? No. no. Have you guys thrown right. parties in New York before? No. no. Right. So, you know, and really it was just like one venue the guy was like, oh, I like your vibe. I, you know, we'll give you a shot. And the first party, they asked us before the doors opened, they were like, how many people you are going to show up? And we were like, we hope 200. Now, the funny thing is, the only thing we did to promote was we created a really fly flyer, and we sent it out via email, and then we announced it at our Bible study. Hold up. You announced the party at our, at our Bible, Bible, oh, come Bible study. At you know, you Bible know how study. church folk get. No, I no, I do. <laughs> I, okay, let, okay. At so, do we Bible need to study. give the, the listeners some context? Probably. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Bible study. Do I need to break down what Bible study? <laughs> nah, is? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus I think Christ. it kind of explains. I think we're good. Okay. So, okay. So, in the in the in the South, oh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, there is you know church folk. You know, there's a, the Saturday night is the club, and then Sunday. <laughs> Sunday morning is church. Sunday morning, you pray away all the sins. You, you pray away all Sunday the ratchet night. shit you did the night before, right. and these audiences very much overlap. So I mean, <laughs> so that's I never would have thought of that. That's genius. That's almost like that's almost like on Breaking Bad when Jesse went oh, to the, Narcotics Anonymous. Yes, yes it is. to sell it's meth. Not, yes. Wow, <laughs> that is yo, that is that is no, that's so wait, wait, no, that's fucking genius. Right. Did you just compare our guests to drug Hey, bro. Hey, no, we, but, we ain't gonna tolerate too much more disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> no, the shit is genius. I never would have thought because, because no, seriously, no real rap. Most people wouldn't even say like, I mean, people that are like quote unquote church folk, they kind of keep that shit to the right. side. Right, like right. they don't say that. So no, I'm. The shit is fucking genius. <laughs> and I never would have thought to do that. Don't as many people show up to Bible study as they do the actual service. So that's interesting too, because it's like, why not just you know put it in you the announcement? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what I'm curious this, about. No, but this, no, but this, this is going me, off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is very fascinating. This is fascinating. <laughs> this was a, it was a Bible study for young people. Okay. Oh. And yeah. so we announced it at the Bible study, and we also you know the first party we we said we'd have 200 people. We were like. Like we'll do, we're gonna do it like old school, like we did in college. We're gonna have first hour five dollars. Oh, After wow. that, it's okay. ten dollars. Mm -hmm. We were like for fun. We made church fans because we were like we need to have things that represent <laughs> the South. Had no signage, had no website, had no nothing. And this is all we did. And when they asked us how many people were gonna show up, we said hopefully two hundred. First people in the door. Hold on, the door. hold on. The manager. When we we told that to the manager. Yeah. And the manager was like, "Yo, if you get two hundred people in here, that would be amazing." <laughs> 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 and we were like, "Okay, hopefully." And then doors open. First people in the, at the party. Bible study. Yeah. Church right, folk. Right. Wow. Five dollars. And then by the end of the night, there were like 500 people. Wow. The majority we did not know. And we realized that. The, and at the end, they were asking, well, when's the next one? When's the next one? We're like, and uh, we don't know. We had no idea because we only planned for one. When I used to DJ, my my answer to that question was talk to the manager. Oh, see. <laughs> well, 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 the manager was like, can y'all come back next week? We was like, whoa, <laughs> bro. Easy, Tiger. Easy. Yeah. So are y'all somebody completely different in the daytime? Or were y'all somebody completely no, different? still. Still. Yeah, we all have we all have jobs. This is well, our, some, this our yeah, side kinda. hustles. What are your, what are your Day jobs. What are you? I work at Rock Nation. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Right. Uh, I work at Viacom. Oh, shit. Oh, These day jobs are amazing. Okay, okay. and you, you, Alzo. Don't mess it up, Alzo. Uh, I'm an advertiser photographer and I teach philosophy. Well, damn. You teach, wow. I teach philosophy at the College of New Rochelle, Brooklyn campus. Oh, okay. What? So I'm an adjunct professor. Y'all better do it. What the essence? A, a Mark article. That's dope. So, so uh, DJ Square Biz, um, yeah. with you as a DJ, was this your? How long? How long you been DJing? And was this your? So I was 15. What 16 years? Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To stay out of trouble. Thanks to Zoe, actually. My brother. So they're brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. got like yeah. real brothers. Like yeah. Real yeah. Brothers. Okay. So brother. I was like messing up in school. And I met one of his friends and he taught me how to DJ and I wanted turntables bad. My mom was like, if you get your grades right, if you stop acting up in school, you can get your turntables. And then my brother taught me how to DJ once I got my turntable, so it was cool. So where yeah. are uh, you guys, where were you raised at? Where were y'all? Texas and Florida. Texas and Florida. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. So in terms of when you first started DJing, what kind of stuff were you first playing? Like what was your first uh, stuff? I was really in like, Early on, when I was like 15, I was really into like hip hop, hip hop, like Sugar Hill Gang, Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC. At 15, because of my brother. Wow. <laughs> nah, that's, Be that's crazy. Beastie Boys, like Beastie Boys, Lords of the Underground, Daylight Tribe, Daylight De Soul, especially Daylight Soul, Outcast for wow. sure. So, Alza, yeah, you're yeah. the older of the two. Yeah, yeah, I'm the it's older. It's the trickle down effect that Amir always talks. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah the older sibling. A lot of times will set the tone and, and pass. Because we tell you what, Ma yeah. would be playing in the house. Oh yeah, she was Luther Vandross. And so my brother was raised in Florida while I was like until I until I was nine. Then he moved to Texas to go to school. Okay, so. From zero to nine, it was Luther Vandross, <laughs> Anita Baker, Marvin Gaye, like throughout the house. And then my brother was like, yo, you should listen to this hip hop thing. And I was like, what? He put it in like he was playing Lords of the Underground, Tribe Called Quest. I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? That's so uh, from there, it like, took, on, took off, and then like Crisscross was like my favorite. <laughs> man. Oh, man. Let's not act Chris like they weren't dope for the No, time. yo, okay. All right. In uh, defense of Crisscross, Crisscross had jams. Come no, on. they did. I they missed didn't. the bus. I missed the I bus. Missed come, on, come on. Now, that's something I'll never, ever, ever do again. That shit was so traumatic, yeah. missing the bus. Because you would miss it. Because it wasn't that you missed the bus. It was you miss it, and then you know you got to go in and tell your mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was it. Yeah. Now she got to take you to... Now I got to go get dressed. Now I got to go put on my house coat and take you to school. Oh, my mother wouldn't take me to school. She'd find a bus and drive around and say, look at that bus. Do they go to your school? Wow. I like your mother. That's awesome. That's That's the kind of parent I would be. Wait, where are you from, Eric? North Carolina. I'm yeah. from Raleigh. She's from Raleigh. Yeah, she's a, me and she. I we live in the places. city. We switch places. Okay. I live in the city now that she was. She's from, and she went to school where I was uh, yeah. in Greensboro. So that's 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 what's up. So um, this is going on six years now. Mm -hmm. Six yeah. years. Um, what keeps y'all in? Um, this seems to be a recurring thing. Like, who was that was we were talking to yesterday? He was talking about how. They kind of kept their day job until while was they that were. Was that MoMA? It was MoMA. MoMA. Yeah, it was a MoMA. Oh, yeah, it was another yeah. DJ. He was saying that. That's the so yeah. when do you guys, do you ever feel that you will one day say, okay, grits and biscuits, 100%. I'm leaving my day job. I'm leaving philosophy. Fuck these kids. Like, <laughs> I'm going to just go. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever feel that one, that one day... Um, that one day y'all would just make the full leap into uh, doing grits and biscuits 100 
That is the question. <laughs> I don't know, That's man. A good yeah. job, y'all yeah. 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 I know. Good <laughs> job. <laughs> with, I mean, with benefits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nigga, I can, man, yo, I got, I got a cavity. I can go handle that. <laughs> Vision proper. Thank you. Yeah, I think, I think if uh, like it have to, we we expand it to something beyond grits and biscuits because you know to leave your job to just be a party promoter. That's not. No. That's not how we was raised. <laughs> no, no, <totally. laughs> no, real shit. That's, that's real as fuck. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I was surprised because um, when I found out I, that you that you still do all this and still do a job, I mean, how do y'all find time for yourself? Like, is there any personal time? Look at Erica. Well, oh. Right. <laughs> She's laughing. She was like, what is that? That's a full My funny. job is kind of cool with it. They kind of see it as like an add-on to like mm-hmm. what oh, I do. Gotcha. Because it's like, you know, when we, when we throw on parties or... Uh, doing stuff, it kind of gives me a name or a leverage when I'm talking to artists. Like, right. like I know how to sell out a venue because this is what we do with Grits and Biscuits. I know how to put on a performance because that's what we do with Grits and Biscuits. So when I talk to artists, they kind of see me as someone who has the knowledge already to kind of tell them that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like a player coach type of thing. Totally, yeah, yeah. totally. What about you, Erica? Um, no, I mean, I, I definitely think the job I'm in now, I made it very clear from the beginning that this is what I do on the side. So they've been very understanding. I think, um, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been, as far as finding balance, I mean, you just have to force yourself to do it, you know? And sometimes it's, you know, not going to be able to make every show. I mean, this is kind of a new reality mm-hmm. as we continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we haven't talked about before. But for me, like the role I play, I'm very much behind the scenes. And so if, I, if someone else is in my place, then I mean, that may just have how it may have to play out. And then, you know, the other times it's just like we blo- we are very, de- you know, deliberate in like blocking out time. Like we have a calendar. And if someone's like, I am not available for this week, that's and we right. don't schedule anything for that week because that person needs their time. So we y'all might need to give some lessons to Questlove Supreme because <laughs> uh, our organization. But we're they still... got they don't have as many jobs. It's, it's, uh. Well, Amir has a lot of jobs. I but... wonder what my employer thinks about what I do here. Oh, man, yeah, yeah it's okay. That? Bill Sean yes. works for Sesame Street. He does. All oh, the shit. Oh, that's, dope. that's so nice. So he, that's uh, yeah, yeah. So he goes from <laughs> Elmo to put it in your mouth. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you? What, what about you? You think about uh, leaving the? You know, well, I don't. I don't have a full time job. So like, I'm a freelance photographer. I'm an adjunct professor. I just teach once a week. Oh, okay. I hadn't really worked for anybody since I was twenty four. Twenty. Oh, yeah. So. Awesome. I realized a long time ago that I don't make a good employee and I don't, I don't like people telling me what to do. So I had to figure out on my own. And so, like, I think, you know, in terms of, of balance, like these these guys, like they figured it out, like how to balance. And, and for me, um, it's just about negotiating the relationship between all of the different things that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm teaching, I teach every Thursday. So, you know, if it's a party on Thursday night, we got to get to as soon as I finish class, I'm on a plane. And it's uh, interesting how, like, sometimes my students, they'll think they figured out a secret. Like, oh, we know that you throw parties. I'm like, <laughs> can we come? Sure, you can come, but just know that your uh, paper on uh, Emmanuel, Kant, Emmanuel Kant will be due next Thursday morning. You know what I'm saying? That's what's yeah. up. That's awesome. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, but I was just going to say, it's interesting because you said I hop on a plane and y'all are on another level. Y'all aren't just party promoters. Like, y'all take this around the country, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so at this point, where where have some of the cities that y'all touched with Grits and Briskets? Um, LA, Chicago, DC, Detroit, Philly, Houston, Atlanta. Uh, we're going to the Bay Area this year or next year. Charlotte. Um, Charlotte, Greensboro, 
Some um, movement. Yeah. Have y'all done? Yeah, uh, have y'all done overseas yeah. yet? Have y'all been out of the country? That's yet? the goal for next yeah. for 2017. For 2017. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the things I I think is dope. Um, when I go to the parties, I've been to I've been lucky enough to catch the party in a few different cities, mm-hmm. and the guy was he when I was at the show Charlotte when mm-hmm. I saw you guys in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago, and one of my homies he was like, "Yo, this joint is crazy," and I was like, "Yo, man, this is crazy." Chicago House of Blues. Oh my That's their God. favorite. <laughs> it's nuts. One of their favorites. And the thing about yeah. it is like, I was I lost to... my mind in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally lost, I, it was bad. It was, I had to be taken off the turntable. <laughs> <laughs> I literally lost my mind. It was yeah, yeah, I turned into Big Brother that moment. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, time yeah. To go. yeah, it was, it like, was that might have been the one you were there. It might have been. <laughs> it might have been. Yeah. No, no, the party was not, so they did two nights at House of Blues and I want to say maybe I was the, the second night, or I can't you remember. The second night. It was the second night. Yeah. So this is total. I mean, it was a pandemonium. And the thing that's so interesting about it is that how when you play the records in the south, like a Charlotte, like people are having fun. But it seems like the the records get an even bigger response outside of the south because they don't hear them all the time. They don't hear them all the time, and yeah. all the transplants. That, yeah. You know. yeah. Oh, yeah. right, 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 yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, the Chicago was was retarded. One particular joint. Uh, that I, I want to talk about because I feel that y'all are single-handedly responsible for reviving this song, and I wonder if the who made it. If God, I can't remember the name, but the song "Swag Surfing," yeah. Um, right? Yeah. And what's the group's name? I, I, uh, Fly. I think it's Fly. Yeah. Fly. Yeah. Fly. Swag Surfing. This was a song that uh, it was. This was a song that came out in the the height of what I would kind of call like the ringtone era mm-hmm. of rap. Yeah. So this is like. Oh my God! 2006. Yeah, 06. Yeah. Right as I dropped an album called The Minstrel Show. <laughs> but, uh, perfect timing. <laughs> right, right. Perfect timing and terrible timing at the same time. But uh, but now, nah, man, it was a uh, guy like Shop Boys, probably like a rock star, and just like all these right. records that yeah. were at D4L. the time. D4L, Laffy Taffy, yeah. all those records. And so these were records that were used. I mean, in a lot of ways that they sold ringtones. When ringtones were hot, I mean, that was the thing. I remember our label telling us, like, yo, y'all need a song we can sell some ringtones for. I remember that. <laughs> but anyway, this song, uh, Swag Surfing, y'all have, like, reignited that song. And so Swag Surfing, for the people who have never been to Gritskin Biscuits Party, that is, like, the come-to-Jesus moment <laughs> <laughs> of Grits and Biscuits. We all come together <laughs> as a family. I want y'all to talk about it. Like, tell them, like, the essence of the swag surf. Like, take us there. Well, I... Good. No, you, yeah. <laughs> and Alzo, he, this, he is on the mic, and this is, like, he is so... All right. Because <laughs> I just right? Put your Okay, he, I need to know. He, oh, yeah. he, make you feel it. he make you feel it. Wait, okay. So, the, so the, we all have different roles, right? And that, and uh, so this is how we say it. So Maurice knows what to play. I know what to say, and Erica knows who to pay, right? So, <laughs> that is. So and so on the on the in the parties, my brother's obviously play, you know uh, spinning the records, and I'm on the mic just to make sure the crowd is where they need to be. Creating a certain energy that we like to think is hospitable, but like the swag surf is one of those things where it's the epitome of the energy of our party that we want to create and maintain, right? So we we don't care, like we say, we don't care if you bow legged, slew footed, or pigeon toed. We don't care if you tall, short, gay, straight, fat, ugly. It doesn't matter. Like if you come to have a good time, you're in the right place. And so 
you could be standing next to somebody you don't even know, right? And we ask you to put your arms out and you put your arms around them people. And then once my brother drops the track, we start swaying from side to side, Ooh. right? We start swaying from side to side. And then right before the beat drops, we just got to let everybody know to get your motherfucking hands up. That's the moment. Yes, that's the moment right and there. Moment. And it's yeah. not a request. <laughs> it's not a, it's yeah, a demand. It's, it's a demand. Yeah. yeah, every time, like I've seen, I've seen it, you know, in, in a few different places. And every time, the energy is just through the fucking roof. And the thing that's so dope about it, man, is like, well, for one thing, white people, our listeners, I need y'all to stop butchering the swag, sir. Oh my goodness! I was watching something <laughs> on. It was some white university. It was a huge. They were doing it. They tried to swag surf. And it just there was no swag or surf <laughs> at all. It was it was totally <laughs> swag bodyboarding. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Y'all, was, y'all swag kayaking or something. I don't know what the fuck, what the fuck that was. But uh, but nah, it was it was totally bad. But nah, you guys have um, just created a brand that is um, you know coming from you know HBCU. I mean, we joke and joke, but uh, just to see three of you guys from a fellow HBCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, attendees just the stuff that y'all are doing i just applaud you guys man and just thank y'all so much thank Thank you so much the party is a a great time if they're ever in your city go like go and i was seeing clips we was in here working so i couldn't even come out there to right. get my swag surf on, <laughs> but uh, was, did they? They, they was rocking. Oh, yeah. They showed. They showed. I got show a video. Love. You want to see? Yeah, yeah. I saw. I saw <laughs> some on IG. I saw some of the videos. I was like, yeah, oh shit, it was, it was going shit. down. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so now, man, uh, ladies and gentlemen, man. All right, y'all. You know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you gotta change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
This has been an incredible uh, two-day affair of Quest Love Supreme. Yeah. Um, Fonte, uh, for myself, lovely Laia, uh, Boss Bill, Unpaid Bill, Scott Yayo up in here. And also, I must That's mention- never going to not make me laugh. Right? Yo, <laughs> laugh Yo Scott Yayo's in the building. Scott Yayo. And also, in the background, we got Chillin', the mother oh, of this man. whole movie. We must, I mean, we must shout Ooh, her out. Yes, we do. Because she has been responsible- in many ways, for bringing us all together mm -hmm. uh, with the site OK Player, Angela Nissel is, hey. is in here. Hey, Angie. Yeah, Angie. How many the E's legend. is that? It's like six E's at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, the screen name, right? Yeah, she's laughing right now. Yeah, the, you knew. I knew. Like, okay, let me explain to you. Okay, so all the people out there in the listening world. Okay, so so you know, on social media now, when you get if you're on Twitter and you get like the blue check. That's like you were verified. Like that's like okay, you're the fucking man, right? Before the verification, there was okay player, and there was the okay that was beside your screen name. Yep, yep. When you got the okay, like I was Tay Gravy. I'm still Tay Gravy, an okay player, and like I'm Tay Gravy, and it was like all right, whatever. I'm Tay Gravy. When I became Tay Gravy, okay, you made it. What? Yo, man. what? I, I still don't know the criteria for the okay. Did I don't. I, I, had, I can't. I, I can't. You had an okay, didn't you? Yeah, we can't talk about it as part of our Illuminati package. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was part. It was. We can't. We can't speak on none of that. Um, it was. It was a part of our Illuminati NDA that we had to sign. But um, Scotty Yayo. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but nah, man. Uh, shout out to Angie. Uh, okay, player for yes, bringing us yes. all together here. This has been an incredible weekend, Damn. fellas, ladies and gents. Mm. Um, I start to my left with lovely Laia. Laia. Huh? What have you learned? What did we learn this over this two-day period? What uh, did we learn? The Roots Picnic is work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> That's what I have learned. I have learned that as much as I like to tease our boss and, you know, leader, fearless leader, Questlove, that nigga works hard. He works hard. He works hard. He does. Yes, he does. And I don't know what kind of vitamins, right. you know, he takes, but it's got, it's got to be something he's keeping from us. Cocaine. Yeah, so Listen, it's got to be something. I wish that he took drugs. I, 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 wish. I really don't know what a the man is drugged superhuman. up cocaine would be. So, superhuman. He's got to be. He's got to be. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So, and I've I've learned that I can you know be in a room with y'all for over eight hours and it'd be all right. <laughs> Especially you know, come on, you like unpaid it. bill. Here he come. Here he come. Here he come. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it the whole time sitting next to me like that, yeah, stop fronting like you're like mm, 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 mm. what well you said you liked it the whole time that and like you were talking about being trapped in a room with all that somehow <laughs> oh, man, that, that made sounds me, bad yeah that sounded that really sounds bad. Very bad I'm that sure that was like bad. the same thing that Rick James said to that girl well, you know what the, <laughs> and at some point she there. said it was a no maybe all right. it's like an episode of Breaking Bad I saw once <laughs> <laughs> unpaid bill what what have you learned brother what have you learned these two days man I've had two really Surreal fucking days, man. Yeah, okay, so your whole phase. Update us. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, what, please. What, you gotta update us on two yeah, apparently, uh, apparently something uh, went down last night. Yes, something went down last too. night. Uh, unpaid hey, Bill was, hey, was with us, and hey, he you wasn't. or did she? <laughs> I, you know, uh, <clears throat> everything is good. <laughs> See, that, that's how you're Smoking supposed to do it. That's like how you're supposed to do it. That's how you do it. No Sherman, don't leave me hanging over here. I'm sorry. I didn't see that. I was laughing and I closed my eyes. <laughs> that's how you're supposed to do it. Bill, Aren't... can you at least tell your woo story? Because it was funny. Oh, oh yeah. Your woo Girl, story last like night. Oh, my woo story. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so the Wu-Tang Clan are playing at the Roots Picnic. And so I went to the rehearsal today because I had some time to kill between... The, the end of my whole phase in the beginning of the afternoon. Exactly. If you will, just for just understand time in relation to me. All right, so I got to the Wu thing, 
And I, I was there, and they were all there, but there's, you know, how many guys? There's nine of them or eight of them. Right. And there was like 40 people there. 40 other dudes <laughs> with like Shaolin woo shit happening. And, <laughs> and I fit right in as I off do in these situations. <laughs> Clearly in my plaid. So I sat there for a while. <laughs> so, so I was sitting there with Steve, and, and all of a sudden, the, the, they're getting the songs together. So Rizza gets up, and he starts to rap. And then, and then a few of the guys get up to, to, to do whatever song they were doing. Meanwhile, two of them are set up a chessboard and just start playing chess. Like, that's what you do during rehearsal. That's what you do during rehearsal. Absolutely. Every time. So, and I thought, like, oh, man, they're going to get up and like, get on the stage because that's what you do in rehearsal. But lo and behold, it got to like Jizz's verse, and he was playing chess, and he just rapped while he was playing chess. He was like, rabba, 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 rabba. chess move, chess move, <laughs> rabba, rabba, rabba. and I was like, that's the this most surreal thing I've seen in a really long time. That they didn't have to get up. Oh, and there was a teleprompter because you know they forgot all their. They they I, thought they thought it was the funniest thing that's ever. That's when you they end the story. When those kind of words are written on a tele, it was very very funny to them. Wow. And to everybody else. Shout out to the Jizz making chess moves and rap moves. Yeah. At the same time. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. Yo, shout out to having such a big catalog. You got the mystery a of chess rapping. It was. <laughs> And then, and then Steve tried to make a joke about Bobby Fischer, but he called him Bobby Fisherstein or something like that. And so then the joke <laughs> fell flat on his face. That's the end of the Steve, story. Steve screwed up a joke? Y- yeah. Steve's not good with jokes, man. It's the weed. It's the weed. It's, it's the <laughs> weed. It yeah, it, Don't it's do that to weed. weed. It is the weed. Don't do that to it doesn't, weed. It doesn't work for him. So anyway, Scotty Yeo. Scott Yeo. What did you yeah. learn? Oh, today? he must have learned a lot. Okay. Oh man, I could write novels. And yeah. we're not talking about the QLS After Dark session from <laughs> oh, the, the conversations we had, which after. I missed. Oh man, <laughs> QLS After Dark was so real. It was so real. We'll make that its own radio show. Yeah, yeah. QLS Hofe's QLS After Dark. It's like they spinoffs. Yeah, spinoffs. A couple things. One, the roots are really creative when they need to stall for time. Mm. <laughs> we can tell that story. Yes, yes. yes, yes Chappelle yes. loved that five minutes. He I'm did. sure he did. <laughs> he looked very enthused to be up there that night. Don't forget about Rozelle. Oh, yeah, we had Rozelle. Rozelle, Godfather Noise. Uh, that was my first time seeing Rozelle in a long time. Yeah. And, uh, Shut up, fuck. He, no, I'm just saying, that was my first time seeing him in a long time. I was he seen up him in there? Was, was Rozelle there? Yeah. 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 Oh, you missed yeah. it. Yeah, I, Rozelle showed up. We know. Oh, he was whole phase. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> he, he was whole phasing. Catching but, up the crowd. He, but it was he was whole phasing, but Rozelle showed up and, and, and did his thing. Um, what I'll, else? I'll yeah, say yeah, what the, the, the biggest thing I learned is that uh, it, I had a really good time spending time uh, with you guys, especially this whole weekend. And uh, what people may or may not know is doing a radio show is really hard, and you guys make it look easy. So I think you guys all deserve a lot of props. Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> and just think, three months ago, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. oh, Boss Bill. Thing. Oh, okay. Fonte can dance. Oh, oh yes. Oh, man. Go to oh, Instagram. He can, he oh. can also teach dance. You, 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 you will need to check were, the QLS Instagram five, after the show. Five, six, seven, eight, and shit. Like, that, was like, <laughs> that was impressive. Yes, yeah, so you, you guys will need to check the QLS Instagram to see the video of, oh, of, of Fonticolo Sultry. and Yuna stepping okay. in the name of Questlove. In the name people, of Questlove. We had enough people filming it. We have a bunch of angry right. people oh, man. together. And make <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of commentary. Yo, on the subject of Fonte, real quick, can I just throw another thing I learned in? I learned that Fonte was in the color purple. Right, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. You, need oh tell, my God. you need to tell everybody about that because oh that was off, off mic. Oh, yeah, it was off mic. Okay, so <laughs> for the people who care. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. Cares. I was an extra in the color purples a uh, long time ago. Um, what it was, my uncle at the time, he was the film was shot in North Carolina. And so my uncle at the time was working, my uncle Mike, shot my uncle Mike. He was working at Anson Tech 
which was the county. He, they shot it in Anson County. And so he was working at Anson Tech as like a financial aid advisor. And so they that's where they were having the auditions. So he hits us. He hits my mom. He's like, hey, they're having auditions for this movie. And at the time, the movie, the, the, the code name or the production name was called Moon Song. And they were kind of, you know, keeping it under wraps or whatever. And so uh, they was like, they were having auditions for this movie. You should come down. So my mother came down. She's like, cool. She brought me with me. And it was in the summer of 85, I want to say. I was six years old. I was about to go to first grade, I think. And um, But anyway, so we go down. We audition. And at the time and during the audition, I remember specifically, I had to. I was going up against this girl. I was six years old. And the girl was nine. And the audition was we had to pretend that we were angry. And we were hungry, and we wanted our mother, whoever, to make us some jam sandwiches. Make a jam sandwich. So you had to act like, I'm hungry. I I want some jam. Like, that was the, I remember specifically, that was it. I'm hungry. I want some jam. And so, um, you know, the girl was older than me, and she was big, and she was fucking, like, I mean, she was really scary. I was scared as shit. But she was real, like, give me some jam. Like, she really hadn't ate. Like, maybe, like, her wick vouchers hadn't appeared that month. Like, she really might have been hungry. It was real. So, you know what I mean? So she did her thing or whatever, and I was just like, man. So I did mine, and I was kind of shook. So I remember leaving audition just thinking, like, man, I don't think they're going to choose me. I thought Can you I just do terrible. a line reading, like how you did it, a little bit? Give me some jam. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have gave you the part. Yeah, yeah, yeah I wouldn't. Yeah, I would have been. I lost it. So uh, I thought it was. I figured I had fucking bombed or whatever. And so uh, I just came home. Or we left. Come home one night to my grandmother's house. Phone rings and my mother answers it. And I'm in the other room and I hear her just start screaming. And uh, but it wasn't like a bad scream. It wasn't like a somebody died scream. It was like. Uh, shit, we hit the lottery screen. You know I mean? We made it. Yeah, she was like happy. And so I came out, I was like, what is it? So she was telling me, she was like, yo, we, um, you got a part in The Color Purple. So that was when they let her know that it was The Color Purple was the movie. And uh, we went down the next day and uh, you know, I remember getting fitted for everything. Like I remember meeting Oprah. And the only reason I knew she was Oprah was because at the time she used to be in the Jet magazine. And like when you go to the barbershop, like barbershops always used to have a jet. Mm. Right. So like I would read like the albums and then see the beauty of the week and then like a few other pages after that, it was like Oprah. She was on the bottom of like top ten influential oh, in black the people. Square. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. in the squares. In the, squares. In the black squares. Yeah. Yeah. She was one of the black square important people. And so uh I remember seeing her and we met at no joke, like we were at the deli tray. And we met <laughs> and we, we met at craft services. And uh, yeah, her, I remember meeting Whoopi. I remember all that stuff. And so it wasn't until afterwards when the movie came out, my mother took me to see it. And it was then I Ooh. understood oh, this, wow, we shot yeah. a fucking movie. Yeah. Like, I, I got it. But uh, yeah, it was a fun experience. Uh, Steven Spielberg at the time, he was married to Amy Irving. And I remember she was breastfeeding. And I, that was the first time I had ever seen that stuff. Remarkable. Yeah, because it's just white women pulling their titties out. Like, you just don't see that shit <laughs> regular. You know what I mean? I was like, what the fuck? And so I remember my mom, like, I was like, Mama, that woman got her titty out. And she was like, boy, put your, don't point at them people. Like, it was crazy. So it was just totally different. Being like a small southern like kid, you know, small town southern kid, being around all these like LA people. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a mind blowing. And, and your acting career has just jumped off since then. Hasn't yeah, it? I've like, since um, been in, um, <laughs> what, what have I been? I've been in the breaks on VH1. Uh, I was also in uh, the gospel production, Mama, Please Don't Burn the Chicken. Uh, 
it's grown by leaps and bounds. But uh, but no, nah, man, that was that was my story, and um, I may post some pics. Maybe I'll I'll post some pics on the QLS. So I, we I would really like yeah, that. I'll give you. A there He's a little boy running through the street, running through the sheets that hit Sealy. That's yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Well, they was I, I ran through and tumbled. So you can see me, but I'll I'll post I'll send pictures to uh, like we can put it up on the QLS Instagram. That's what I'm that. saying. That's all I'm saying. That'll be mm. dope. Uh, Boss Bill, what did you what have you learned, man? What have you learned this week? Um, I learned that uh, everybody that we talked to today was very intelligent. Uh, had everybody had their head on straight, like that was refreshing. I'm it was very on. refreshing because I've talked to a lot of people, you know, in various capacities in the in the industry. And not everybody is is all there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But everybody we talked to this weekend, I I, I have I've, I have a feeling that all of them are going to do big things. And I have hope for the future. Like for yeah, all the people, yeah. like millennials, I think get a very bad rap. Yeah. And it's just oh, millennials this, millennials this. But uh, the young uh, people that we spoke to over this past week, they, they yeah, y'all all right with me. Particularly like Tish, just spe- yeah. specifically Tish. saying like lean is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And you know to hear. Uh, ben Bada to hear Daniel mm-hmm. Marley talking about, you know, you know, I write, you know, who I am. I'm not going to try to, I want to work my, I'm not going to coast all my name. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with Yuna. Yeah, Yuna mm-hmm. saying the same mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, the uh, the young artists, they, y'all give me hope. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ain't just all bouncing and shooting and killing and shit. Y'all, <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 y'all got your heads on straight. I'm, I'm hopeful. Everybody just said thank you. Fine. Thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, well, yo. This has been yet another fun-filled episode Woo. of Quest Love Supreme. This two-day haul, uh, good God, man, we've been. This has been nuts, but we got through it. On behalf of myself, Fontigolo, lovely Laia, mm-hmm. Boss Bill, Unpaid Bill, Scott Yayo, Sugar Steve, and our absent Master cult Thompson. leader, Massa Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Massa. Thank you, Massa. Thank you, Massa. I'm slave. Motisa, <laughs> the Motisa tribe. Oh. <laughs> Motisa, Motisa. <laughs> it's, not, it's not funny. Slavery's real. Yeah, it was real. It was, it was funny enough. Yeah, it we're gonna real. rename this podcast, this a radio show, Twelve Years Ooh. of Thompson, uh, the Plantation. <laughs> Listen, uh, oh, he's gonna hate this episode. Yeah, he, yeah, he gonna be he gonna be cussing all us the fuck out, but it's all good. <laughs> Listen, on behalf of all of us, Team Supreme here at Quest Up Supreme, man, thank all of y'all for checking us. And we'll be back next week on yet another episode of Quest Love Supreme with an all new Team Supreme. All new, yeah, yeah. This might be our last one. Yeah, this has been a good run, man. Yeah, it's good, been a real good job. Yeah, yeah. I'll see y'all in the unemployment line together. <laughs> Quest Love Supreme, only on Pandora. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Ow. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. 
Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need— eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 